0: There's space here, Verde! Only needed one attempt at that from distance. A simply astounding strike from Daniele Verde.
1: Hello and welcome to Serie A Spotlight, Season 2, Episode
0: 25, Rio your Jake and Matt here to discuss all the events of Match Day 22. Before we get into that, our goal of the week, as you heard from the intro, was Daniele Verde's second goal against Empoli this match day. He's back and he's back scoring goals. What a goal. And before the game started, Matt and I had been discussing how
1: long it had been since um, Daniele Verde actually came off the bench and contributed. He's kind of, as a player, he's utilized very similarly to Bayrami at Empoli, where he's brought on for like 30 minute cameos or he starts, but at the 60th minute he's um, substituted. But Daniele Verde historically has always made the difference in the past three seasons for, for Spezia. But this year he was a bit quiet. And of course, it took our big mouth to change that.
0: Yeah, of course. And he has a very sweet left foot, Daniel Verde. There's no denying that. Whether he's whooping in a cross to get a, get a guy clean through or whether he's having a strike from outside the area. So he's definitely a dangerous little player that Spezia can utilize, especially when they're fighting relegation.
1: Definitely, bro. Let's see if this was a fluke or if we can keep this up. So regarding our bets, um, we did a bet along. I'm not even going to talk about it. Nope. Three um, bets. 3 losses Yeah Imagine bro Instead of Putting 5 euro On all these bets Mm. Put them all In a savings account Or in a piggy bank bro Otherwise That was a good Fucking Chair or something to sit on, you know, for the podcast. Are you
0: trying to put me in a bad mood? (laughs) Going going into this podcast, I mean, fuck that! Chairs don't give you adrenaline, (laughs) and and that's what we're here for, bro. The adrenaline,
1: exactly, exactly. We've read Zlatan's books. Yes, you remember what it's called adrenaline there we go (laughs) remember to follow us guys on instagram tiktok twitter at say a spotlight please reach out to us we love to hear from you um if you see something funny send it along we might put it on our story if you have an interesting opinion a funny joke or something do send us a voice note we might even feature you on the podcast 100%.
0: one hundred percent. As always, we're gonna be going through the happenings of Match Day 22 before we get into everything. Quite an action-packed one. It started off with Napoli dismantling Cremonese three goals to nil. First against last, I don't think anyone expected anything different. However, second against 19th, Sampdoria against Inter ended nil-nil. Lazio were defeated by Atalanta at home two goals to nil. What was probably Supposed to be the tightest affair this match day, Milan finally managed to beat Torino one goal to nil after they lost by that scoreline twice this season. They did carry that momentum into the Champions League and beat Spurs one goal to nil. Lecce held Roma at home. That was one goal to one. Pasquerotto once again was there, even though it did go down as a no goal. Juve managed to get past Fiorentina one goal to nil. Two disallowed goals, Fiorentina will be furious especially with the amount of hate they have towards Juve for <laughs> nicking all their players Udinese 2 Sassuolo 2 a bit of a you know a lot of blunders in Udinese's defense which led to them conceding those two goals Bologna nil, Monza 1 two teams on top form but it was Monza that came out the victors Empoli 2 Spezia 2 so first Empoli got a red card and Spezia scored 2 and then the second half Spezia got a red card and Empoli scored 2 crazy stuff <laughs> Verona and then continue their winning ways as they win at home once again, beating Salernitana, one goal to nil. Good stuff. I mean, nothing to really write home about this match. There were no... Real standout fixtures apart from maybe Lazio, Atalanta, Milan, Torino and Juve Fiorentina. Well, and for the hipsters, Udinese Sassuolo, Bologna, Monza yeah. and <laughs> like I It's mean. always lit, Okay, even when it's not lit. But um, the thing is, you're right,
1: there was nothing really crazy that happened. Um, nothing totally unpredictable. Maybe the Sampdoria-Inter game, that's yeah. probably the, the most. Um, one thing I'd also like to address before we go into these games and take a deep dive. Over there is um, Jakub Jankto. Remember Jakub Jankto from Sampdoria? Of course, I
0: remember Jakub Jankto. He
1: has come out as homosexual, and yes. it was very moving and very inspiring. And wow, well done to him! Like I really hope that
0: more people follow suit because in football. Um, it's still the fucking 60s when it comes to the shit Yeah, of course it's it's quite It could be quite a toxic environment um, in foo- From football fans and even in the dressing room Sometimes we see a lot of racism We've seen homophobia as well Youngta is actually, I believe The third or fourth professional footballer To come out openly as gay And I mean, hopefully he won't be slandered for it Like he said, he just wants to love who he wants And he wants to be accepted Jancto Serious spotlight Accepts you brother We accept you And we love you We love you very much And we miss you We, we miss, miss you. you Where is he nowadays? Where he's a I Slava Prague I, I believe mm. He's a Czech Republican gentleman So I wouldn't be surprised If he's there <laughs> Czech Republican Czech Republican <laughs> He's a Czech guy yeah. <laughs> Just trying to <laughs> complicate <laughs> stuff. Um, he is currently, yes, playing for Sparta Prague. Sparta Prague. He's Sparta on loan
1: Prague. from Getafe.
0: Okay, yeah, because he's he's been playing in Spain. Yeah. I remember him. I believe he he left from Sampdoria. Yeah, to go exactly. there. He was also at Udinese for for some time. We actually posted about it at Free Hour because I spotted it. Oh yeah. If you see Syria content on Free Hour, that's because of me. That's all you, baby. Always, always. Shall we dive in, brother? Yes. Let's start off with Napoli 3, Cremonese nil. Now, this game was played on Gvaratskelia's birthday. So, <laughs> happy birthday to the birthday boy, oh, baby. No, here we go with this Here again. we go. The previous encounter was a 4-1 away win for Napoli. However, there was that fixture in the Coppa Italia that ended 2-2 with Cremonese advancing on penalties. After that, Cremonese also knocked out Roma and now they're in the semi-finals of the Coppa against Fiorentina, so let's fucking go, Cremonese! If it's not Milan, it's Cremonese. Come on. However, they did have a few injuries and suspensions coming into this game. Cyr- Cyril Dessers, Davido Kareke, Bianchetti, Qualiata, Buonaiuto and Loshoskvili didn't make the trip. That did leave them lining up in a 3-5-2 formation, Karnesecki in goal on the back line of Ferrari, Kirikas and Aiwu. Wow. Um, Sir Nicola out on the right, Vasquez out on the left and a midfield three of Piquel, Meite and Benassi with Saju and Felix Afenajan up front. For Napoli, you guys could probably guess it was a 4-3-3 formation. in goal on the back line of Mario Rui, Kim Jae, Rahmani and Di Lorenzo. A midfield three of Zielinski, Lobotka and Anguissa and a front three of Gwaradzkeli, happy birthday to the birthday boy, Ossiemen and Chucky Lozano. So in the 22nd minute, the birthday boy opened the scoring. Kvaratskhelia collected the ball from the byline, took the ball inside the area when skipping past Nikola and slotted into the bottom far corner from a rather tight angle. 22nd minute on his 22nd birthday, the oh, birthday but, boy. Dude, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. In the 65th minute, Osimhen scored obviously. Di Lorenzo's header after a Zielinski corner was very well saved by Carnesecchi, but as he was grounded, Kim squared the ball to Osimhen, who tapped it into an empty net. It was then in the 79th minute that substitute Elmas made it 3-0. Di Lorenzo dinked the ball through to Elmas, who hit the ball into the bottom corner on the bounce. Carnesecchi got a hand to it, but the shot was too powerful for the young Italian goalkeeper. I mean, the stats and the scoreline pretty much says everything that there is to be said about this game. 3-0 victory for Napoli. They had 63% ball possession in this game to Cremonese's 37. They had 14 shots, 9 of which were on target and 9 corners. Whereas Cremonese had 3 shots, 1 on target and to be fair to them seven corners but i don't think we expected the game to go any other way right yeah i mean nowadays this is not the napoli that we've been used
1: to you know everyone was saying at the beginning of the season when napoli were up there that um, christmas time will come they'll consume too much panettone (laughs) and they will falter but no they have not they have been incredibly consistent constantly blowing these smaller teams out of the water Um, What a performance over here. There's no complacency when it comes to them. They always give their best. They're all, you know, can't be said for many of the other teams in Serie A at the moment. But yeah, they're running away with it. And, you know, it's, it's tangible at this point. We have the bookies. They, I think the odds of Napoli winning the league at this point are 99.7% or something. Wow. A friend of mine sent me a link last night, 99.7%. And it makes sense, you know, that the way things are going. The, the Milan clubs, you know, they're going to have to, okay, there's 15 points between first and second. Yeah. But, you know, they have to win every single game if Napoli loses those 15 points. Like, it's, it's looking like it's Napoli's year. And the people of Naples, who are notoriously superstitious, these are... Types of people They wear a little dog dick Around their neck Because they think It's fucking good luck Right That little chili pepper whatever the fuck yeah. it is um, It looks like my chihuahuas <laughs> Dick <dick-like>. But uh, <laughs> Okay okay. <Thanks. laughs> but yeah um, They're super They don't even talk about Like they don't believe In saying things Because you would End up de-manifesting Yeah them, You know Yeah
0: Probably from there's, experience.
1: They're singing right now, La Capolista senevai You know, they they're we're running away with it. Yeah. Um they've slipped up again, they're getting cocky with it, you know. I mm. mean and, and you know, if if they're believing and they're being cocky about it, then clearly there's a reason for that.
0: Yeah. I mean twenty two games in they're only on one loss, which was against Inter after the World Cup break. Napoli really are a force to be reckoned with right now They've won nine straight Serie A home games The last time they did that was on their salary in 2016 When they almost won the league well, Back then there was a Juventus side that were You know, up, up there with the Napolis yeah. So uh, Napoli, unfortunately for them They didn't manage to get it done But now Juve have been docked 15 points Should Napoli be docked 15 points? They'd still be first by goal difference, which yeah. is fucking crazy, man. It is, it's really is. so. If Juventus fans are using it as an excuse. <laughs> maybe they should look at the likes of Napoli, yeah? Huh? Yeah, that's a crazy stat, actually. It's true, yeah. Cremones are the only side in the top five leagues that haven't registered a single victory this season after Elche grabbed a victory in Spain a couple of weeks oh, did ago. They? They did they? Do you know against who? I, I don't matter. remember. It's okay,
1: we don't have to prepare that stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in addition to this, only four times in the Serie A has a team played their first 22 games without any win in Serie A. So there was Varese twice, once in 1966 and once in 1972. Ancona in 2004 and Verona in 2016. So Whoa. Cremonese are making history for all the wrong reasons. And obviously. they're in the semi-final of the Coppa. That's, that's crazy. The game of football is a very mysterious one. Yeah. But let's talk a bit about individuals. Man, I believe that, obviously, let, let's start with the obvious one. Kvaratskelia, I mean, in Serie A, he's played 18 matches, scored nine goals and assisted 11 times. In the Champions League, he's played five matches. He scored two and assisted three. In total, he's played 23 matches this season, scored 11 and assisted 14. That is ridiculous for a 21-year-old Georgian international from the back arse of nowhere, man. 10 million euros. 10 million euros. He he has just come out and said that he'll never play for another Italian team, which, to be honest, I was quite bummed to hear, man. I
1: mean, as if any other Italian team affords him.
0: Yeah, that's fair
1: (laughs) enough. I mean, Juve, probably. Maybe you know, at the moment no, They're like it's very much dependent on whether they get Champions League or not. Their finances, I believe, at this at this
0: point. Don't worry, you just wait until they sell Perrin for sixty million euros. And <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then we have it closer, and then nah, they'll have to be careful, obviously. Um,
1: yes, bro. So Gvaratskaya has been incredible, but for me, again, I'm I'm fascinated. I'm more fascinated by Oziman than Gvara. I mean. He's a superhero, no, yes, that's it. He's batman dude. It's like he's the
0: flash up front, man He's
1: a one man army, yeah, one man army. you give him the ball, he'll do the rest, like, and it's the thing that we always say, right that he's always fucking putting his body in the way, like yeah, you, know, you see him, he'll have he wears his mask because he broke his face going into a fifty fifty with screener constantly getting his arm taped, his legs taped, the spray, you know. I I think they go through three cans of that
0: fucking magic spray with Ozzy, man. 100%. 100%, But the guy is relentless. He's fucking relentless. And he's still a very, very young man. And it seems like he's in his prime. He seems like an experienced striker in his prime. The flair that he has, the vision that he has is immaculate. His finishing he has the biggest balls in the world. I think Victor Osiman. I think we can Most go probably, down man. on record and say Victor Osiman has the biggest fucking balls in the world. And they definitely don't slow him down. No, no, they don't. Those long legs make him so quick, man. You know what the craziest thing about the
1: Napoli side is? Mm. They only have one player in their starting eleven over the age of thirty.
0: Whoa! Yeah, you know who it is. Think real quick, Matt. Think real quick. It must be Di Lorenzo.
1: No, Di Lorenzo nowadays is 29 years old. Very close. Okay. It's the guy on the other side, Mario Rui. Mario Rui is 31 years old.
0: Okay, I thought yeah. Mario Rui was a bit younger than that. I thought he was 29. Yeah, he looks he looks younger.
1: But yeah, um, the rest, I mean, you look at the forward line. You have um, Guevara, 22 years old. Oziman 24. Lozano, 27. The midfield, you have 28, 28, 27. Like, they're all mm. at their prime, you know? It's a yeah. good age to have a squad, I think. this, Like, 100%. average age, 27. 28, that's where you want
0: it. Exactly. That's a bunch of players in their prime. Something Milan, for example, have been lacking recently. Having players in their prime, they're either very young or very, very old. old. (laughs) Like Di Lorenzo, a player I want to highlight, because of his work rate, his effective attacking and defending, the guy was everywhere in this game. He even contributed to two goals. They weren't both direct assists, but he played a massive part in both of them. And then you see him defensively. The guy simply doesn't put a foot wrong. They have... Two very well-balanced um, wing-backs in Mario Rui and in Di Lorenzo. I mean, they can both go forward and whip and across. They can take on a man and then they can both defend very effectively, especially Di Lorenzo, man.
1: They're they're super, honestly. They're the perfect balance. It's true. You don't... Well, you do get incredible offensive output, actually, from like Mario Rui nowadays. Yeah.
0: He's really up to his game. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and and he's been on set pieces as well off on that off on yeah. that left hand side. That sweet left foot. Yeah. But I mean, we're constantly repeating ourselves, no, about yeah. this Napoli team. I don't it's think, every
1: week. <laughs> yeah, I
0: don't think there's too much to add on Cremonese either. Um, one player I'd like to highlight. Okay. Tsaju. Saju, okay. Saju,
1: the striker. Um, I used to follow him in his Milan days, with the Primavera. Okay. Um, was one of my favorite players on Football Manager.
0: Interesting. Yeah,
1: he was back then a kind of quick, tenacious winger as, as a child, as a youth. Okay. But now, <laughs> nowadays, you look at Saju, he looks completely different. He's 190 centimeters tall. Okay. He's a big boy. Big boy, yeah. He is very tough. Not as mobile as I remember him, but very tough. And he's changed his role completely. He's playing as a striker. He's pretty good with his back towards goal. And I really like the development of this player. Nowadays, he's 23 years old. And I think if Cremonese do go down, I think maybe a newly promoted team will pick up Tsajou.
0: Okay, guys, so you heard it here. First, keep your eyes out on Cremoneza's Tsajou. now playing up front at 190 centimetres tall. Previously a winger. So we'll see. Maybe the next time we'll watch him play, he's going to be a centre-back. Napoli still in first, 59 points, they're now 15 points ahead of Inter, while Cremonese sit dead last, still just on 8 points.
1: The next game we're going to be talking about is Sampdoria, nil, Inter, nil. Now this is a massive upset and if you look at the historical statistics of this fixture you know you can see that Inter have won nine of the last 11 say uh, meetings with Sampdoria with one draw and one loss and in their last two games before this one they won each one 3-0 oof yeah, um, so typically they breeze past Sampdoria without any problems. And then you look at Inter, for example, and you see that um, only Roma have registered more, say, clean sheets than Inter in 2023. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, this was a particularly interesting matchup as well because of the emotional point of view, the, the romantic aspect of having Stankovic reuniting with Inzaghi. They played together at Inter.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, between um, One second Because my note Has slipped to the side Between 1999 (laughs) And 2003 Okay They were teammates Yes Um, A fun fact about Stankovic Is that he has averaged 0.62 points per game In 13 Serie A matches With Sampdoria Which is the lowest figure For a Sampdoria manager With more than 10 games Ever Wow Yes, so he is Statistically their worst coach ever But yes,
0: still early days We'll see uh But we saw how it was Like last season Shevchenko had gotten the sack After four games Because there wasn't enough time So maybe we will see Sampdoria doing something similar Unless they start getting points soon man.
1: It could be They definitely have improved On the pitch You can see it Um, It's very clear That they're a better team Than they were coming into the season But the results
0: are still lacking Exactly In fact the majority of their points Were collected under Their previous management True That's true That's true actually Over more games, of course (laughs)
1: Of course So let's get into the lineups Sampdoria lined up with a 3-4-1-2 formation With Audero on goal Amione, Nuitink and Murillo at the back Augel on the left Zanoli on the right With Harry Winks and Cuisance in the middle Juricic played behind Lammers and Gabbiadini For Inter it was a 3-5-2 formation With Onana on goal Skriniar and Devray at the back Alongside Acerbi Darmian was on the right, Gossin's on the left. Mkhitaryan, Shalhanoglu, and Barella were in the middle. Brozovic, of course, um, has returned, but is not yet fit to play in 90 minutes. Lautaro Martinez and Lukaku paired up for the first time in ages. I believe yes. it's, it's since August. Yes. Wow. Lukaku is back. <laughs> okay. No, what do they call it? What's the, what's the nickname for, for their partnership? Lula. Lula. Is it Lula? Lula. Okay. Lukaku Lautaro. Lula. Unless it's Lautaku. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Lautaku is a lit one. Yeah. Um, Lukonku <laughs> would be a good one as well. So, yeah, um, when it comes to Sambler, they didn't really threaten. They had a few nice moves from the back, you know, building up uh, quick counters. At one point, Lammers almost scored a goal with a flick on. That would have been yeah. amazing. Um, Onana, of course, really controls that area. He, know, does, he, he does really, Like if you're in the box He's on you yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean
0: Yeah With that With that bloody bunda of his Yeah the uh, girls were know.
1: Fascinated by his ass
0: I mean Like They didn't need to point it out Bro that yeah. thing is juicy huh?
1: <laughs>
0: One point He
1: I think it was during the, the derby He jumped out To punch the ball out Superman, and while he was, punch. It, Superman yeah. punch And while he was in midair The curvature the the nature of his buttocks, the girls just both went, whoa!
0: <laughs> yeah, he looks like a character from Bugs Life with that bunda man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and sasses stick out in Bugs Life.
1: Yeah, that's what he true. reminds me. And, of. and he can save quite a few shots with it as well. Darmian, Lukaku, and Hakan did not have their shooting boots on today. Um, I believe the shots on target were central, and the majority of the rest were wide. Darmian
0: and um, Hakan had a few shots off target as well. Oh, um, had two opportunities where he received and controlled the ball literally on the center circle of the of the box of the opponents. On one occasion, he slipped, and on the second occasion, he took one too many touches. Yeah. Coming into this game, I mean, the guy scored in what four, five games in a row, something like that. And then that, you yeah. just see him in a game like that, where it's, where it's like he's a he's a newbie, like he's a seventeen-year-old in there. So yeah. it's very weird seeing players having such a good run of form and then they just dip in one game. At the end of the game, one of the moments you're talking about, when
1: he turned and tried to shoot, right? Mm-hmm. Dude, Zeko was wide open. Okay. Zeko was wide open, facing goal. All Lautaro had to do was lay it off to him, roll it to Zeko before he hit the ground, like, and Zeko would have definitely finished that with his mm. experience. Mm. But no, he he turned and he shot and said, "That's uh, frustrating." You know, I can imagine Inter fans were very frustrated with him at that moment. Yeah. Um, and just before that happened Acherbi took a long range effort. this was probably yes. the closest center got to scoring forced Emil Lauder onto an amazing save amazing it save it was a very good save he ended up getting his forearm to it man it was yeah. very interesting the way he knocked it over so yeah this Spoils were shared as Inter dominated possession, shots, passes, corners, free kicks, everything, but of course couldn't get it over the line.
0: My God, I'm seeing here that Inter had 25 shots and (laughs) some had seven.
1: Yeah, bro, it was um, quite... Quite brutal for them. One of those uh, football manager games. Literally. Um, One interesting talking point from the game was an isolated clip that has been trimmed since and posted onto Twitter and Reddit, whatever. Yeah. A bit of an argument between Lukaku and Barella. Um, You know Barella, how he is. The commentator knows very well as well. He's always always pointing it out. The fact that Barella complains a lot. He's constantly flailing his arms around, vocalising his... um, displeasure with his teammates Um, at one point Lukaku didn't attack a loose ball kind of stepped forward to attack it but instead he extended his arms and tried to like I'm not sure if he was trying to control it like 11 from Stranger Things controlled control. <laughs> but he just he just stood there. And Barella, of course, didn't appreciate that at all. You know, Barella is a player who always gives 100%. Started flailing his arms around and Lukaku just looked at him, told him, basta, basta, which means mm-hmm. enough, enough. Um, and started like flailing his arms, imitating him. And um, basically, he told him off, which is fair enough. Like, stop, mm-hmm. stop waving your arms. But then he took it a bit overboard at the end when he said... Vaffanculo figlio di Puttana Oh, Lukaku said that to, to um, Barella. Barella Yes, it, which basically translates to Fuck you son of a bitch, basically um, Now, everyone's everyone's speculating You know, everyone, oh my god
0: This shit happens every single day in football, for sure Yep, yep, I mean Happens with Milan, between Tataru and, and Tomori. Tomori I don't know if there are any personal attacks like that but then again, it's the Italian language. We know yeah. that being Maltese people and speaking a very similar language, I mean, the slightest of offences, if you say it in English, then, then it, it gets translated that way. And yeah. it's it's a way bigger deal than it actually is. Um, but uh-huh, I think I think it's, it should be addressed that Lukaku does seem quite out of place. Mm-hmm. Um, he's come back after falling out totally with Chelsea. He left Inter on bad terms. Because, you know, they they had just won the league. He was their top scorer. He was one of the best strikers in Italy, one of the best strikers in the world yes. at the time, which made Chelsea buy him for 90 million euros. He's come back. Obviously, he had to rekindle some relationships that were spoilt along that process. Um, but unfortunately, nothing is going right for Lukaku at the moment. He had a terrible World Cup. He's had a terrible yeah. second stint at Inter. And it seems now like... Maybe it's getting the best of him Maybe it's getting the better of him I don't want to speculate too much Barella is the kind of player To complain quite a lot And to be honest It is quite refreshing to see Someone telling him to shut the fuck up Because
1: he can be a brat at times He can be a brat It's true He's very, very, very good And of course it's these players Who don't put a foot wrong Who have every right to complain But you know At one point You're in a high pressure situation You're nil-nil against One of the worst teams in the league Shut up Let's play like, yeah. You know Like please Stop mm. complaining Give us some confidence You yeah. know Stop flailing your arms Around you
0: but brat Probably Lukaku Should have tried
1: Going for that ball that yeah, is, He should have Run around <laughs> there Lukaku um, Yes But, but <laughs> I had a point to make But you threw me off With the Lukaku <laughs> uh, think It think was about, Yes So Lukaku Isn't even playing Terribly he he holds the ball up pretty well for his teammates. You know, he plays well as a hold-up striker. He's okay. And had Inter redeemed him permanently, this wouldn't be bad if they had like, you know, another season, another two seasons, another three seasons, and maybe he's getting his groove back. But the fact of the matter is that Inter probably aren't going to buy him back. And at this point with the form he's showing, Chelsea aren't going to want him either. No. So he, time is completely against him, and the pressure is piling up for Lukaku. And he's really going to have to turn it around at the end of the season If he wants something positive Like a step up right now is looking unlikely in his career
0: Very unlikely And he's going to find it hard to settle for less money Than, than he got at Chelsea This this is why idiotic signings Now, maybe it's not an idiotic signing to spend a lot of money on Lukaku After his championship winning uh, season yeah. at inter under their it's not stupid to spend money on on him but when you see ridiculous wages given to footballers that it's given to them because they're on a good run of form like you see gareth bale for example all those inflated wages lukaku hazard if they start dropping the ball they might as well retire Because no teams are going to spend that money on them unless they go to Saudi Arabia, unless they go to the US, unless they go to China, one of these places. But it's not looking good for Lukaku's career at all, man.
1: I mean, as you said, there definitely are options. If he wants money, no problem. Yeah, There are people who are going to give you a salary. Um, A good salary at that. Probably better than you have now if you go to the right places. Yeah. Um, The problem is going to a team... Of a similar level, right? Um, I don't see many people wanting to invest in him at the moment, but but anyway, we'll see. He, yeah. he still has time to turn it around. Let's see if he manages that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yes, so that pretty much sums up the game. Sampdoria, we can talk a little bit about Sampdoria. I mean, it's the same thing, right? Performances have improved. Can they get the points? If you were the Sampdoria manager president right now, hmm What would you do? Would you keep Stankovic?
0: (sighs) It's it's such a tough situation that they're in because when you make a brave move and you change your manager, you bring in a young, progressive, tough motherfucking manager and it doesn't work out. That third third change is a tough one to take, man. For example, Salernitana had done it last season. Um, And it worked out for them. I think that they need a bit more of a short-term solution. And Mm. I think going for an old buck, an old experienced buck is the move they need to make today.
1: Yes. They can go for Davide Nicola, the miracle man. Exactly, He's just been let go by Salernitano. That's
0: not a bad shout at all. It's not a bad shout at all. Um, I think they see a project with Stankovic though. If they see, if, if they're willing... To Get relegated. I mean, mm. Genoa did it for example yeah. last year, and they've stuck Stuck by their man. What's his name? No,
1: they, they had they were planning on sticking with him. Um, the, the guy who the Gagan press, the yeah, Gegenpress what's his blessing, 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 yes. Um, but now Gilardino the man at the head. Oh, and good. they're doing pretty well still, so, okay. Yeah. Okay, um, yes, I, I think they see a project with Stankovic. I think at this point they accepted that they might get relegated. Um, I think. It might be a fresh start for them, blank slate start from zero. Mm. But be- a young manager, very bright manager, who has won leagues overseas. Yeah, um, he did it with Red Star Belgrade. I believe he was very good over there, playing impressive football in the Champions League as Holding well. Holding
0: Milan twice as well.
1: Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see if they stick with him or not. Inter currently sit in second with 44 points, while Sampdoria are in 19th with 11 points.
0: The next game we're going to be covering is Lazio nil atalanta 2. These are two of the three sides with the highest shot conversion rate in Serie A this season. Obviously, um, Napoli is the third team. <laughs> the previous encounter was the same result, but for Lazio. Lazio winning away from home 2 goes to nil, and now Atalanta winning away from home 2 goes to 0. Um, Lazio were blessed in inverted commas, with the return of Ciro and Mobile. Um, they only had Stefan Radu missing, whilst Ladea had Muriel and Mele suspended after receiving red cards against Sassuolo. Plus, Mario Pasalic was also out with a sprained ankle. Um, Palomino and Zappacosta also returned from injury. Lazio starting in a 4-3-3 formation, classic Sari system, with Provedel in goal on the backline of Hisai, Romagnoli, Chazale and Marusic. That the midfield three of Luis Alberto, Cataldi, and Milinkovic Savic, and the front three of Zaccagni, Chiro, Mobile, and Anderson. On the other hand, Atalanta started in a 3 5 2 formation with Juan Musso, a backline of Toloy, Jim City, and Scalvini. Hatterber out on the right with Zappa Costa out on the left. Ederson, Kope Miners, and Daron forming the midfield three with Ademola, Luckman, and Hoyland up front. Now, in the 16th minute, there was a big miss by Chiro Mobile as he skied the ball after taking the ball off Sergei Milinkovic Savic, who was cleaned through on goal. I think it was the right decision for Mobile had he yeah. scored. I
1: mean, it would have been great, but it was a bad miss. At the Very end. bad miss. They're at really the end of
0: the day, it was him against the goalkeeper, nothing and nobody mm-hmm. around him, and he absolutely he failed to hit scab- the target. Yeah, yep. completely. skied it totally. In the 20th minute, a full-stretch save onto the crossbar by Provedel is what kept Lazio in the game momentarily after Lukman's long-range attempt took a bubble on its way. The commentator absolutely lost his shit to this save. However, three minutes later, Costa managed to open the scoring after returning from injury. Marusic tackled Lukman inside Lazio's area. The ball fell perfectly to the right foot of Davide Zappacosta, who curled it into the top corner from just inside the area. Just before the break, in the 42nd minute, Jim City's poor clearance fell to the dangerous Zakani, who went for a goal from just outside the area, but Musso pulled off a wonderful one-hand save, and once again, the commentator lost his mind. Shortly after the break, Immobile missed another sitter. This time, it was saved by Musso, who had a very, very good performance. Moments later, Hoyland broke through Lazio's last line of defence with some serious power and pace. But Providel denied him what would have been one of the goals of the season thus far. His run was immaculate, the way he just knocked the ball past two defenders. Okay, one of them was Luis Alberto. And the other was Hisai. And the other was Hisai. The way he just charged past both of them, I mean, I would have bet my house that he wasn't going to get to it. But the guy is looking more and more like Haaland every single game. In the 65th minute, it was Hoyland and then who scored. Lazzari lost the ball in the build up, and this led to Lookman squaring the ball to Hoyland, who finished into an empty net on the slide to score his fifth goal of the season. Throughout the game, Giorgio Scalvini and Martin De were booked, so they will miss uh, the Lecce game, whilst Hatterber was also carried off in agony after seeming to sprain his ankle. It was a tight affair, brother. Lazio had 63% ball possession, they had seven shots and five of them were on target. Atalanta had 37% ball possession, but they had 16 shots and 10 on target. It's a very different approach to how we normally see Atalanta. We've seen them control possession more nowadays, but more of the old Atalanta is what we saw in yeah. this game. Huh?
1: We, I think they're just showing that they can do both, you know. They give up possession, no problem. And they will outshoot you, they will outscore you anyway, without having, without controlling the ball. Um, You talked about that Hoyland sprint. Now, this is interesting. He clocked 33.6 kilometers per hour on that sprint. Jesus. One of the fastest, yes, but not in the top five fastest sprints of this week. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah, of this match day. Um, So, ahead of him is Davide Zapacosta. Okay. Yeah. With 33.62, just a little bit faster. No wonder he was in the, agony. Yeah. <laughs> Kingsley Ezebui, the guy who keeps fucking showing up mm-hmm. and we don't know how to pronounce his name. Azebui. 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 Udineza's <laughs> man. Denzel Dumfries, Federico Chiesa, and the fastest of the lot this match day was Wilfred Singo with 33.93 kilometers per hour. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it was the turn of pace for Hoyland. Yeah. That's what it that's was. It. The, the, both defenders were flat-footed, and the way he exposed that was miraculous. But it was a good save by Providel. Two outstanding goalkeeping performances, it it has to be said. Um, But I'm very impressed by Atalanta, despite their previous loss to Sassuolo and the suspensions that they had coming into this game as well. They now gained serious ground, level on points with both Milan and Roma after Roma's draw to Lecce, man. Yeah, yeah.
1: Atalanta are certainly there. We have discussed before that um, they have less fixtures than the other teams competing for that Champions League spot. Yeah. They do not play in Europe. They do not play in the Coppa. Um, they have a relatively deep squad. You know they mm-hmm. have good replacements, adequate adequate players are coming off the bench. You see this game, for example, they brought on fucking Zapata who has scored double figures in the season yeah. for many seasons in a row they brought on Demiral who's a very highly rated defender they brought on Jeremy Boga who's been on form this season was one of mm-hmm. the key players for Sassuolo and Palomino who's a very good centre back as well Like yeah. these guys are fucking great um, plus you look at the starting 11 as well bro the talent they have like Miner is, uh, is incredible
0: yeah but Hoyland,
1: man every si- every single game he's showing us something new
0: yep yep he's getting better and better man he's just adapting more and more um to the league and more and more to to the system Gasparini has in place now it sounds like Gasparini has one system in place and just a plug and play kind of thing but three five two three four three three four one two 3-4-2-1 yeah. if it has three at the back he's tried it and he's mastered It's all about that three etc he must be Atalanta must be so difficult to prepare for yeah. it's like what approach are they going to take in this game and they all
1: overlap you know you never see them keeping their possession, position
0: Yeah, they're always moving around now coming into this I thought Lazio would have the upper hand we've, we've seen them be very effective this season they are on a bad run of form at the moment um, you look at this fixture historically. Lazio have now won only two. However, of their last twelve Serie A meetings against Atalanta, they drew five and they lost five. Although one of them was earlier this season, right? Because they won two yeah. away from home earlier this season. But their last Serie A win at the Olympico against Atalanta was back on January 15th, 2017. It was a 2-1, thanks to goals by, you guessed it, Milinkovic, Savic and Immobile. Mm. So historically, it is Atalanta's fixture, but I don't know if I were to compare both sides this season, as much as I really rate Atalanta, Lazio at their best are just a scary side to play against, man.
1: They have the potential to dismantle you, it's true. And they do have a few nice pieces in that team. However, I think that there are certain weaknesses in this Lazio team, obvious Mm. weaknesses. Mm. And the same can't be said about Atalanta. I can't look at this Atalanta starting eleven and point out an obvious weakness because everyone is very capable and they excel in their position. Mm. You look at, for example, Lazio, you know, you see the fullbacks are Hisai and Marisic. You know, those are two massive weaknesses. You look at the, the Regista, the guy controlling the play, it's Cataldi. Granted, he's a homegrown player, loves the club. But at the end of the day, he's not gonna cut it. He's he's significantly worse than Lucas Levan. He wasn't even that good. Yeah, that's true. You know. Um, plus, let's not even that's without even addressing the consistency issues. You have Luis Alberto coming in and out of the squad, complaining, saying, "Oh, they bought a new plane, but they haven't paid our salaries yet," <laughs> and saying all oh, that shit publicly. Like, and then he disappears for ten games, and he comes back and he scores. You have Anderson sometimes playing like fucking. What was his name? The The Brazilian guy. Garincha. You know, sometimes <laughs> he looks like Garincha, dude. Sometimes he looks like fucking... I don't know, man.
0: Who's... Yeah. Shit? They, they, sorry, they, she, they do she. have very streaky players. Um, Provanioli, for example, is another very streaky player. They mm-hmm. have the, the wing-backs, like you said, Hisai and Marusic, uh, Luis Alberto as well. They, they do have a very streaky side. It's just it's their second season under Maurizio Sarri. And... You know, this is normally when shit starts ticking for Maurizio Sarri's mm. teams, but apparently, it's still not enough. It's, and yeah. we have pointed out that the signings that Sarri has to make are with very with a very tight budget. Lazio do have a very tight budget to their names. Um, So, the signs that they had to make I mean, players on a free, players from Hellas Verona, you know what I mean? So, it's not an easy job being their manager. But as long as they win some games 4 0, right? Must be fine for Lazio fans. They must be happy. (laughs) So, congratulations
1: lotito man lotito is very stingy when it comes to a very frustrating lots, yeah. guy to have at yeah. the helm of your team man and it seems like he's been spending a lot of money on his clothes lately um, <laughs> did you see his hat
0: i didn't, I didn't he, he see looks his hat.
1: he looks old bro okay like about to you know oh old. god okay and he was just dressed in like a coat and this fucking massive hat I mean, you know, it's it's almost like he the outfit was a distraction from how old he is. Okay. But it wasn't a good one because did it just highlighted his face like that. Did, did,
0: did he look like that character, the from Emperor Jack Horseman that, was, that that was trying to pretend to be an adult? That uh, kid that's <laughs> trying. <laughs> It looked like the opposite of that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so those were three kids on each other. No, it but was, the, it was, but the yeah. outfit is hilarious. Yeah, exactly. so the the outfit spoke. is exactly like that. that was
1: it's like Chancellor Palpatine from Star Wars wearing the outfit. Yeah, there we go.
0: Maybe it's not the worst thing in the world for Lazio fantasy. Some new ownership coming in over Latito. Yeah. But subsequently, because of that, Lazio are in sixth place on 39 points. On the other hand, Atalanta are now in third, level on points with Roma and Milan in fourth and fifth. The
1: next game we're going to be covering is Milan 1, Torino nil. Now, as you know, Torino won their previous two meetings against Milan um, in all competitions. Of course, this includes the Coppa Italia knockout and the reverse fixture. And the last time they defeated the Rossoneri three times in a row was in 1968. It was 2 Coppa Italia quarterfinals and one Serie A game. So, yeah, Milan were like, oh, another record. Shall we break it? <laughs> you know, our uh, worst ever month when it comes to conceding goals. Perhaps we should add this one to the tally as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, the previous encounter was a 2-1 victory for Torino. Of course, the goals came through Gigi and Maranchuk and Messias got one back for Milan. Oh, wow. I was a, I was certain they were 2 one nils. I think the the Copa one exactly was a one-nil in uh-huh. extra time, and the other one was a two. Ah, uh-huh. I, I remember the game now. For some reason, I thought it was a. Yeah, it's okay. I think one-nil. you mentioned it, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Tata Rusano was in goal for Milan ah! yeah. at the back <laughs> it was Chao Kier and Kalulu at the back Milan of course opting for another three at the back formation it was a 3-4-2-1 this time Theo Hernandez was on the left Salah was on the right Tonali and Kronic in the middle with Giroud playing in between Leao and Brahim Diaz for Torino it was a 3-4-2-1 formation basically mirroring each other over here Milinkovic Savic was in goal Gigi Shua and Buongiorno were at the back single on the right with Ricardo Rodriguez on the left um, debutant the Gine- Gine-tis? Genetis Genetis okay. Ginetis so was in the middle with Adopo Miran Chuk, and Vlasic playing behind Sanabria the goal came in the 62nd minute when Theo Hernandez was given a little bit too much space, and by a little bit I mean a lot. They should, yeah, they should have pressed him.
0: Yeah, they, that's really, they, they they probably showed a lack of respect because yeah. of the terrible form. You know? <laughs> probably,
1: um, and to be honest, this was the the only chance. You know, you give Theo too much time, and he's gonna mm. play a perfect ball into yeah. the box, and that he did. And he played it to the head of Olivier Giroud, one of the best headers in the game, and he converted. Yeah, And that was enough for Milan Milan won the game With 47% ball possession Three shots on target To Torino's four Mm -hmm. Now Bro For you Was this a positive game for Milan?
0: So it has to be considered A positive game Because Milan got three points And they kept a clean sheet In a new system Now The performance wasn't great The performance wasn't great and is that so much of a problem? I mean, it's not ideal, but after Milan got that goal, they looked much better. Mm-hmm. From the 62nd minute onwards, it was all Milan. In the build-up to that, it was rocky, it was shaky, it was against that team that got the better of Milan twice, that must have played in in the minds of all the Milan players and the entire Milan camp. And... Um, Totally new system for Milan, but they managed to keep a clean sheet. They managed to get the three points and they even followed up with a victory against Spurs after that. So yeah. you just need to get three points and then form will follow. And that's exactly what Milan did over here. Perfect, bro.
1: Um, I agree completely. Milan just had to get a win. And I was surprised that Milan even managed a clean sheet alongside the win. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at you look at the defence and you wonder what's different, that the Rizano looks decent. Yeah, maybe it's the fact that he doesn't have Tomori screaming at him every three seconds, you know, I'm sure that stuff kind of, you know, affects the game. Imagine having, working with a colleague who's constantly criticizing you and shouting at you, you're going to perform worse than if you know you're, if you have Kier in front of you clapping and tapping you on the back
0: yeah yeah, no no 100% but I think an, an even bigger factor to that is the three at the back for Milan yes, I yes, mean of Tata had a decent game against Inter he had a decent game against Torino and he had a decent game against Spurs and that those all took place when they had three at the back I mean previously Milan were conceding from every shot why? When Tomori is out injured, Kalulu's off form and you have Kier and Gabia or Kier and Kalulu. it's simply not enough. Yeah. Now, there's always an extra body at the back. And at least that person is putting pressure on the person taking the strike. And therefore, the strike is a bit easier for Tata Rossano to save. But he has been having good performances, Yes, Tata. He's had better. three good games yeah. in a row mm-hmm. now. Maybe it has something to do with Tomori, but I think this three-at-the-back system... It's turning out to be a good decision by Pioli
1: Yes um, He he turned it around mm-hmm. Thankfully
0: mm-hmm. And, and before It didn't seem like it was the right time For Milan to try out at the back Why? Because Kier is off his game Gabia isn't great Gabia's Gabia Kalulu was off We didn't know anything about Chao <laughs> We didn't know anything about Chao um, Tomori is injured but we play with a... Well, Milan play with a artista. Milan play with a artista as well. Mm-hmm. But Malik Chao has come in and changed everything in that back line. He really, really has. Because mm-hmm. of his physicality, because of his maturity in his young age, his size, his tackling, his work rate. His ability energy.
1: to ping a ball, bro. He pings balls forward like like a playmaker. He's very good Yeah, this guy. Yeah, Really good player, Malik Chao. And it has to be said... um, the tactical switch was necessary. Tonali said in an interview recently, he said, when every shot you face destroys you, it's important to basically have more rows between the keeper and yeah. the ball, basically. That's yeah. what you said last night. Exactly. Um, he's absolutely right, you know. Um, you need to tighten up defensively to stop conceding these goals you know, you concede one, then three minutes later, you concede another one because you're shell-shocked. You know, that, mm. that kind of has stopped now with the three at the back formation. And mm. it's getting the most out of certain players. Like Salamakers excels in the right wing-back. Wow. 100%.
0: He's so good in that position. 100%. And I don't think it's good news for Calabria. <laughs> no, not if at all. Milan keep the system because we saw Junior Messias replacing Salamakers later on in the Spurs game putting a good shift he as well, man. He was
1: good, bro. He intercepted so many passes with the slight tackle. You, you notice know, yes. at the end of the game? Yes. Yeah, man, that was a good game. Man. And, and mm-hmm. you know, Giroud and Kier, man, they were so good against Spurs as well. You, look you can really count on these experienced players in these big games, you know. Everyone, you really Kier, can. why is Kier starting? Play, play, Chao, Tomori, Kalulu. Like, are you crazy? Are you actually insane? You're, you're going to put... A 25 year old as your defensive leader at the back, you need a guy to fucking instill confidence and calmness. At least. And
0: Kier is that guy. At least while the system is still being implemented. Yeah. Because once the players have got the system nailed down, sure, maybe Kier will get phased out and maybe Mm -hmm. it will be Chau Kalulu and Tomori. But at least the guidance of Kier has gotten them to the place that they need to be in order to be able to perform. In that back three, mm. and I think that's what Pioli is going for with that. Um, also, that being said, I believe that Milan trying this out and Milan getting success with this, it just gives them this sense of unpredictability. Now, imagine the next team they face, um, prepare Monza for mm. example, they prepare for a 3 4 3 formation, and Milan hit them with the 3 5 2, or, Milan hit, or Milan hit them with the 4 3 2 1, or Milan hit them with the 4 3 3. It just adds so much to Milan's game. But I do think that it's here to stay, man.
1: For now, yes. And even Pioli has said, and I think going forward, yes, this will be the system. And you know what? Offensively against Spurs, it didn't look bad at all. When Brahim Diaz has proven to be kind of a big game player, and in these big games, he does show up. Leao against Spurs came back to life, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. which goes to show that that worries me a bit. Is it complacency? You know, or is it just that the stage is so big that you can't help but play
0: better? Mm. It, 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 look, at, at times we use the word complacency, right? And it would seem like complacency coming from players like Leao, but could it simply be demotivation? Could it be the players aren't confident? Could it be the players are in a bad headspace? That it's it's that rather than complacency, I would say. Because the yeah. second you change the system, you get some success and you start seeing players tick again. It's a confidence thing. A 100% it's a confidence thing. And sometimes, sure, when you're not confident, you tend to get lackadaisical. You, you tend to give a fuck a little bit less. But now the, the players are revitalized. Mm-hmm. They're hungry again. That being said, I think um two points I want to make. Number one, Brahim Diaz This is by far the best season that Brahim Diaz is having in a Milan shirt Mm -hmm. And he was still being criticised By every single Milan fan I know Was criticising Brahim Diaz Even when he's at the best that he's ever been At Milan and now suddenly people are talking about Redeeming him for 20 million From Real Madrid Now Is it going to happen? Probably not, because Milan have invested 40 million in Decay Telare, And it's it's probably knowing Maldini and, and knowing Massara. I don't think that's going to happen. Second point I want to make is still Milan are in desperate need of an attacker. Still. I know that Giroud had a great game. He had a great work ethic. If I have one point of criticism to Giroud is... His controlling of the ball outside of the box has been rubbish. The flick-ons? The, the flick-ons have been okay, but once you give him a direct ball and he's just outside the box with his back towards goal, if he takes a touch, unless he flicks it on, the ball goes wayward. Yeah. His I control mean, isn't what it
1: used to be. He's a 36-year-old man playing pretty much 90 minutes a week. You know, yeah. I mean, he's playing too much and that's not exactly... Mm -hmm. his fault you know they can't blame him too much for that but I have noticed yeah I have noticed (laughs) yeah
0: and and I think that is where because if if Milan are going to stick with the 3-5-2 then suddenly they have an abundance of talent on the right hand side whereas before there was no talent on the right hand side now Milan Mm -hmm. have an abundance of it but now it's time to start talking about a striker no yeah yeah
1: yeah and you know Rigi's back maybe he'll adapt to this, you know, maybe he'll be able to help Juro out a bit. Zlatan mm. is back. So yeah, things are looking good for Milan, especially heading towards the return leg in the Champions League against Spurs. Um they they will have recovered Tomori, Manyan, Ben Zlatan will be properly back as well Mm -hmm. Um, these are good things for Spurs however um, it will also improve as they only had two available midfielders in their team against Milan and it must be said that Milan did play a depleted Spurs side but this was probably exactly what Milan needed to build up confidence that's two 1-0 victories on the trot for Milan as they continue to climb or sorry as they start to recline <laughs> um they currently sit in fifth with 41 points while fucking i didn't highlight them bro torino torino yeah <laughs> there they are torino sit in seventh with 30 points now torino are, are tied with Udinese on points huh? it's a juicy 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 one
0: uh-huh. torino have been climbing mm-hmm. i think they were terrible against milan I genuinely think that part of the reason Milan managed to get away with three points is because Torino were shambolic in this game. They really didn't offer anything going forward and their midfield was a bit shaky. They were decent D- at the back. Defensively,
1: they were sound. Defensively,
0: uh-huh. they were good. Um, in fact, it, it took a Giroud header to score mm. uh, from Matteo cross, <laughs> yeah. But really offered nothing in the in the midfield area. They'd be very disappointed. And that probably has to do something with Adopa and Genetis starting the game obviously with Ritchie being out so on and so forth it would yeah. have been a, a difficult affair for Torino to keep up in that department the next game we're going to be covering is Lecce 1-Roma one, 1 the previous encounter was a victory for Roma two goals to one um, Roma had barely scraped that 2-1 victory despite Lecce having more than Hulman sent off after just 23 minutes if you recall um, Mourinho was still without Spinazzola while Zagnol obviously was sold to Galatasaray last week whilst the hosts missed Yusuf Male, Castriodermaku and Marin Pongracic Lecce start off in a 4-3-3 formation with Falcone and goal, what a performance by him yeah. a backline of Gallo, Umtiti Basquerotto and jean Gonzalez, Hulmand, and Blin Formed midfield three And Di Francesco was out on the left Streffetz out on the right And Colombo up front Such a
1: consistent 11 eh They it barely is. ever
0: have anyone out It is They're, they're a very systematic team lecture yeah. nowadays In fact I have a point to make later on Comparing them to Roma But I'll save that for later <sighs> Roma lined up in a 3-4-1 formation with Rui Patricio on goal. The back line of Mantrini, Smalling and De Banez. Salevski out on the right, El Sharawi out on the left with Cristante and Matic in the midfield. Debala and Pellegrini played off of the shoulders of Tammy Abraham. So in the seventh minute, Lecce opened the scoring. It was a Strefezza cross that seemed to be headed in by the formidable Basquerotto, who even claimed the goal. But the ball took quite a significant deflection of Roger Ribáñez and was deemed an own goal. Did you see the conversation that he had on, on Twitter or la, la, Instagram? La gazzetta
1: dello Sport. Mm-hmm. He basically told um, just like il mio goal, il, il goal mio, il goal mio. The <laughs> goal is mine, and he put a crying, crying face. Like he really wanted that goal. Yeah. Like bro, yeah. you've scored enough.
0: He has scored enough, but but obviously, you know, the, the more the merrier for the formidable. He's so lit, bro. He's so good. He's so good. Um, seven minutes later, in the 14th minute, Bala converted a penalty. It was Strefetza who gave away the penalty after blatantly sticking out an arm to deny a dangerous ball to Tammy Abraham. Um, Dybala stepped up and sent Falcone the wrong way with a perfect penalty. Later on, then throughout the game, Falcone was just on fire. He produced three fantastic saves On Tammy Abraham Who looked lit in this game But Bro, Falcone man. just kept denying him And denying him He is a true protagonist And earning this point for Lecce
1: 100% Tammy Abraham Dude with the silky legs, dude. With the moves, huh? Yeah. The fucking teckers, dude. Saucy. Boy. He's the sauciest scarecrow ever, dude. Like, like <laughs> he's six foot five, six foot... What is it? I think he's like six foot four. Six And the bro, he's got legs on him. I, like, he can change... Pace very quickly, yeah. and change direction very quickly. Um, he does that thing, you know, where you knock the ball from one leg to the other, one exactly. foot to the other. So good, man, so good. Yeah, he looks like a FIFA Street kind of player, you know, know? with those long legs on and, and it's, close it's, ball control. It's crazy again how we we started off the season really criticizing his performances, and of so course. he was low on confidence. He was, he looked awful. It's crazy how not only does confidence improve your your ability to score and your your belief when it comes mm. to scoring. But dude, every single aspect of his game has improved massively. I yeah. would say like 50% of a footballer's ability is confidence.
0: Oh, 100%. 100%. That's why confidence is so important. You can never go into, like I, I was seeing, um, I believe Mike Tyson speak mm-hmm. recently. And he said, how could I have been, one of the best boxers that has ever been if I had a single doubt in my mind that my opponent was going to beat me you know when you get anxious we've all been anxious before and we tend to freeze for a split second imagine freezing for a split second or even a tenth of a second on the world's largest stages you'll fumble it you'll fumble it players the second they start lacking confidence you can see it in their game there is absolutely no hiding it and we saw it in Tammy now we're seeing his confidence back and hopefully for him he managed to keep it up Falcone however bro what a fucking performance what a him, performance
1: man. Dude. he's he's a very 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 good goalkeeper and I'm wondering how old he is nowadays he's 27 he's years 27. old good age for a goalkeeper I think it's well he'll
0: probably be in Serie A with Lecce next year which is a good place to probably. stay I think for him I um, was expecting Sampdoria to keep him because when he yeah. benched Audero last season he was significantly better than Audero and we were hyped about mm-hmm, him Man, mm-hmm. we'll see him even if God forbid, let you go down. God forbid, I mean, I don't predict it to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll see him stay in Serie A. He is one of the brightest goalkeepers in Serie A, man. Yeah, definitely. And at the tender age of 27 as well.
1: in this game, I don't think Roma did many things wrong.
0: I think they were unlucky, dude. I mean, what they did wrong isn't what they did wrong in this game, but it's been a bit of a theme. They struggled to get goals from open play. And once again... They did so, but in you, this you game. know, you look at the attempts; it's all just Falcone, and falcon. Like, what can you do about that? You know,
1: you can create the chances. You know, Tammy shifting, taking it, the ball, crossing the ball, and Tammy with the header, he saves it again. You know, scuffle in the middle, boom, Falcone is on it. Like, yeah. what can you do? You mm, know, what mm. can
0: you do? And Lecce were super tight defensively. They, mm. they, they, they just had a. And Lecce always have this. They are a shape. They are a shape that keeps on shifting, but the shift is consistent. They. The players always have the same amount of distance between them. It's like everyone knows when to press, when to hold back, when to man mark, when to cover the spaces, when to go for an interception, when not to. They are such a mature side. And I really do believe that in this game, Lecce out Roma. They had such a similar approach to Roma in this game where they held the ball. They kept men back. You give up possession. You mean. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then when given an opportunity from a set play, they capitalized from it. They yeah. were literally a photocopy of Roma in this game. man. It's
1: true. They played it very intelligently. And I really like what Marco Baroni is doing over there. Very exciting manager. Um, great stuff. Great yeah. stuff. It has to be said, bro. I, I have draw, drawn comparisons. Okay. Lorenzo Pellegrini.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Alberto Aquiliani Do you remember Aquiliani?
0: Of course I remember Aquiliani Do you remember
1: how Sometimes he was scoring Rabonas And creating these crazy plays And shooting from long distances With these uh-huh. Crazy With this technique like And then he'd randomly suck For long yeah. periods of time That's mm-hmm. That's Pellegrini And Pellegrini right now Not only does he look Bad Because <laughs> mm. let's be real He looks bad But he looks like He has lost A little bit of that spark That yes. he had He looks like He isn't bothered To complete the action In it, in the purest form Or what he's meant To actually do uh-huh. There was a point It was three players On the break And Pellegrini mm. just lets fly High and wide Like you see Dabala and Abraham They're looking at him Like what the hell Are you doing right now
0: <laughs> So frustrating It is frustrating I think he's one of the most gifted midfielders in the league. Earlier this season, I was saying he's better than Barella because mm. he was on a great run of form, which was very consistent back then because mm. he had a great season last season, a great season before that. But now it seems like he's taken a bit of a dip, particularly his output. Um, I still think he's a fantastic player. His decision-making has been incredibly off and I think that is the area of criticism. Mm. Um <clears throat> Whether it's him being slightly slightly too selfish um, Not slightly, he's been a bit too selfish However, and then in dead ball situations He is key for this Roma team And that's the reason he's there, man That's the reason yeah. he's there Because Mourinho always masters the dead ball situations Even in Spurs Till I Die, the series that we're currently yeah. watching They had that nailed down They had uh, their set plays absolutely nailed down And you see him talk about it in the dressing mm-hmm. room as well That's why he's in the team. That's why Pellegrini is in the
1: team. In fact, I saw an article that was posted 11 hours ago. Mourinho literally said that Pellegrini is crucial to the way I play. So Mm. he might be dropping these disaster classes. He might look terrible in open play. But as you have ever so correctly said, um, Pellegrini is the man on these dead ball situations that lead to the majority of Roma's goals.
0: There was a player in the Premier League once. I can't remember the name of the team, man. Shit, they, they, they weren't a great team. Well, they had a gentleman named Rory DeLapp. Was it Watford? I don't think so. I think it was either Southampton. Bowen. No, no, no. But that this gentleman named Rory motherfucking Lap. You know what this guy had? An incredible throw in. Yeah. An incredible throwing. Every time. You're there... a football player and that's your brother. Main brother. Anytime there was. There's a video on YouTube, you can look it up. Every time they get a throw in anywhere close to the opposition area, the fans start celebrating. It's like it's a corner, it's like a free kick in a dangerous (laughs) area. Just hoofs the ball in and he always finds someone. When he retired or he left or whatever happened, they signed another guy with a wicked throw. Rubbish (laughs) footballer, rubbish (laughs) footballer. But that's how they'd get their goals. And they they would fucking put 10 men at the back for the entire game and they would survive and they would get their goals because of the throw-ins because mm. of the throw-in scenarios and it's a bit of an exaggeration to what Mourinho's doing at Roma but from yeah. the dead ball situations you can draw comparison he used to play with Stoke City Sunderland Stoke. derby Stoke is the team that I was referring to and then he he had left and they and they got oh it could have been no but it was Stoke it was Stoke okay. and they they signed a direct direct replacement for him Rory the lap Rory motherfucking mother, Little, little De Easter
1: egg In our podcast
0: Yeah Coming into this fixture lecture Where one of three Italian teams That Mourinho Had a 100% Win rate against Ooh. The other two teams Are Empoli and Siena oh, So okay. now it is just Empoli and Siena Empoli And Siena and also on this topic of um, set pieces Roma have scored the highest percentage of their goals from set pieces in the current Serie A season a 43% while on the other hand Lecce have conceded 42% of their goals from set pieces the most of any side in Serie A which is quite surprising considering they have Baskerotto and Umtiti at the back yeah that's totally true bro but Roma sit in fourth place now on 41 points. Level with third place Atalanta and fifth place AC Milan. Lecce are in 13th place on 24 points. Level with 14th place Fiorentina and 15th place Sassuolo. Wow, a eh, Fiorentina on 14th. Yeah. Well honestly, they're having a dreadful season. Yeah. Um, speaking of, Juventus won
1: Fiorentina nil. The reverse fixture was a 1-1 draw and looking at these teams you look at the last five games that they played before this one Juventus had won just one of them um, as Juventus manager Massimiliano Allegri has seven wins in seven home Serie A games against Fiorentina against no other side I say I have more sorry I learned how to read
0: yesterday <laughs> <laughs>
1: I so, hate Juve so, so much, much. So, so much. So much. So they've lost. Let, let's just go through it off the top of our heads, okay? Mm. There's Chiesa, there's Vlaovic, there's Cuadrado, there's um, Baggio. Baggio, of which course. That's the biggest that's one. That's the biggest one of them. Well, that was the, the start of Bernardeschi. it. Bernardeschi. Like, they just take their stars, yeah. you know? <laughs> and they keep selling them to them. <laughs> I guess, you know, money talks. You ain't got none. And, or discussion. Yeah. <laughs> Um, And as you can see, um, as I will say very soon, um, Fiorentina started Christian Kwame up front this game, which Uh is weird because they have Jovic and and Cabral, sorry, who are two very dependable strikers in theory. Yes. But... Apparently, I saw the stat Juve are the side against which Christian Kwame has been involved in the most goals in Serie A. He has okay. two goals and two assists against Juventus. Wow. So, yeah, he probably saw those stats, Italiano, and who's was like, Kwame, you're up front this game. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Juventus lined up with a 3-4-2-1 formation with Szczesny in goal. Sandro, Bremer, and Danilo at the back with Kostic on the left and De on the right. Rabiot and Locatelli played in the middle Vlaovic was up front with Chiesa and Di Maria playing off his shoulders Terracciano was in the back, at the back, not in the back of your girlfriend <laughs> for Fiorentina <laughs> as they lined up with a 4-3-3 formation, the usual Italiano system um, Dodo was on the right, Braghi on the left with Ranieri and Milenkovic at the back, Milenkovic as clumsy as ever yeah. Bonaventura, Amrabat, and Duncan were in midfield with Nico Gonzalez on the right um, Jonathan Iquane on the left and Kwame up front as the lone striker. Now, in the 34th minute, the ball fell to Di Maria, who was in the box, kind of slightly to the right, um, in a shooting position. Instead of shooting, he played a cur- clever curling ball over the top, curling outwards towards the head of Rabio who headed it in powerfully. And at first it looked like a brilliant Terracciano save. I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, what a save from close range. But turns out he was just late to raise his arms. Terracciano's, the ball had crossed the line ever so slightly. And that was a goal for Juve. And that would prove to be enough to win the game. But there was drama. And there were two of the closest (laughs) offside calls I have ever seen in my life in one game. yeah. Vlaovic was played through brilliantly by Di Maria in the second half and got the perfect, slightest amount of elevation on the ball, acutely chipping Terracciano. Now, when you look at the way Vlaovic Finishes these one on ones. If the goaler comes out, he's gonna dink it ever mm-hmm. so slightly over your most extended limb. Exactly. And that's what he does every single time, and it's so incredible good. how good he is with so these angles. Good. Um, for if any of you have ever played League of Legends, he would be a Velcro's player. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay, I just, I just
0: nerded out right there. There you, that you go. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Black Comparison King. I feel really, I really get it now. I, that's who Vlaovic is. He's Velcro. <laughs>
1: Velcro! <laughs>
0: Oh, we have Dortmund, Chelsea on, and Reese James got a bunda as well.
1: Okay, there we go. We can join the Onana family. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so he tripped to
1: He didn't celebrate he put his arms up, you know, as many people thought he would. Um, it went to VAR, and he had, once again, his forehead was offside. Yeah, and, an offside yeah. his, and his shoulder, I believe. And his, his shoulder, shoulder. And the, the top of his head from, from the way he was running. Mm-hmm. Close call, you know. Um, at the end of the day, do I... Mm. Agree that that's offside Yes Finally 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 When it comes to refereeing In football In Italian football There's a little bit of consistency I like the fact That offsides are objective nowadays I like the fact That there's a metric I like the fact That it's black or
0: white That they're not objective Rather
1: That they are objective They're not subjective To the referee's opinion Ah Subjective
0: Okay okay, I got confused Um, uh, I totally agree with you We've been crying We've been crying For consistency The second you leave it up To interpretation That's when there's inconsistency So the fact that A computer is looking after it Now I'm a big fan of that Unlucky Very unlucky Harsh Very harsh But it's the truth Yes It is And the fact that There is
1: consistency Makes it feel like In this case Juventus weren't robbed And exactly. neither were Fiorentina Because at the end of the game Saponara crossed the ball And there was an overhead kick clearance And the ball came to Castrovilli Like where has he been this whole time But yeah. he's there He's there and he shoots And he scores And the crazy scenes They managed to equalise at the end But during when, when the defender bicycle kicked the ball away um, The offensive player had his back Heel, heel Ever so slightly offside I'm talking like Two centimeters Mm. centimeters, If if even Like It was the closest Offside I've ever seen In my life But you know what Once again
0: There's a metric It's consistent It's fair Exactly Exactly No and I couldn't agree With you more Just to Make sure We're on the same page His heel was offside When the ball Left the foot Of Castrovilli Exactly Which is why It was offside And obviously He was behind The last defender His heel was behind The last defender And he was somewhat interfering with play now that is when there is a slight gray area because when are players interfering mm-hmm. with play when aren't they at this point it just seems to be if there's a player in an offside position when the ball hits the back of the net then it's not a fucking goal well, that's the way fair, it seems to be the,
1: the defender was forced into an overhead kick clearance while he was tussling this yeah this player this offensive player exactly so, so i guess that makes sense um. Yes, Allegri was saved by VAR in the same way that Dusan Vlaovic fell victim to that same semi-automated technology. Crazy. Mm, very true. Did you? You're looking at me like... <laughs> no, no, because the way you said it, it's like you were uncertain of what you were saying. But because I that was, but that I was tr- To be honest, okay, I hesitated between semi-automated and semi-automatic. Which
0: one <laughs> is it? It's semi-automatic or semi automatic It's semi- They mean the same thing. Yeah, they okay. do mean the same thing. It is automated and it is automatic. um yeah, we But were. I get what you mean. It is the same thing yeah. that bit Juve in the ass, ended up biting Fiorentina in the ass, and saving Juve. From dropping points, and you've uh, managed to get away with a good three points considering the situation that they're in, and Fiorentina once again getting nothing out of this mm. game, man. Grinding out a 1 0 win is not something that um, people probably expected
1: coming into this game, looking at the attacking trio that Allegri rolled out over here. It was Vlaovic, Chiesa, and Di Maria.
0: This is what we'll be seeing more of. The, the, um, this,
1: this is why he signed Di Maria. And these three guys are just they make Juve worth watching. Yeah. Despite the negative tactics, despite the the slow pace, the, the tempo, the killing the game of these guys make it worth it. Particularly yeah. for me, Di Maria. He is a football purist, sweat dream, Di Maria.
0: Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Last season and the season before, I would choose watching. Most games, over any Juve game, mm-hmm. unless obviously it was against one of the top seven teams or the Derby against Torino, most of the times, I love to watch another game because Juve, I found them not to be exciting. Mm. Um, now, just simply because of Di Maria. And I love Chiesa, I love Lovic, but Di Maria, oof. Being able to watch that guy every week is a joy, man. It is. An absolute joy. He's one of the brightest talents in the world. And we all thought he was washed up. Still the same old Di Maria. Still the same old Di Maria, man. That's it, bro. The exact same guy.
1: Allegri got into a fight. Okay. Yeah, with a fan. Really? Yes. A uh, fan apparently was insulting Keane. I can only imagine what was being said. Yeah. Um. And there's footage of Allegri literally pointing him, this fan in the face, like screaming at him, you know, eye, maintaining eye contact, you know, the whole yeah. time. Good to see. Him. I mean, yeah. um, you know, again, these little victories when it comes to homophobia and racism, they're always good.
0: Yeah. Uh, maybe Bonucci on the bench. Should have taken some notes, no? Yeah. Because the have, last time... I should have time... told Allegri to sit
1: down. <laughs> <You> know?
0: <laughs> the last time Maurice Keane was racially abused, Bonucci criticized Maurice yeah. Keane. He said, um, I think the blame is 50-50. How like, are you joking Out of, right, out huh? of your mind. You have yeah, to be out of your right. mind. But at least, you know, Allegri had, obviously, like most other humans had the right approach to yeah. that. Defending his player,
1: definitely, bro. So this very narrow dramatic victory for Juventus um, has shot them up to ninth place with 29 points. While this Fiorentina loss leaves them in 14th with 24 points.
0: The next game we're going to be covering is Udinese two Sassuolo two. The previous encounter was a three-one away victory for Udinese back when they were lit. Sassuolo arrived at this game after wins against Milan and Atalanta completely turning things around. It was Udinese that lined up in a 3-5-1-1 formation with Silvestri in goal, a backline of New Neuimperes, Bijol and Bekau. They had Udoji out on the left with Ezibue out on the right and a midfield three of Sandilov, Rich, Wallace and Samardzic. They had Pereira playing behind Beto. We've seen Pereira used as the right wing-back. But probably Ezebue's form has allowed Pereira to go back to his usual position. And that's where he's best, mm-hmm. behind the striker. Do you prefer Sandy Loveridge or Rocky Loveridge? Who the hell is Rocky Loveridge? Rocky Loveridge. Oh my God, Sandy and Rocky. You're. Th- <laughs> I just want to make this point over here. Rocky beaches are better for a quick dip, while sandy beaches are better for a day at the beach.
1: Mm. Yes. Totally agreed, actually. And if you're on a night out and you decide to get crazy and go for a dip, you want rocky. You don't yes. want to get your clothes all sandy. Absolutely
0: you know? not. Yeah. Absolutely not. And you also don't want to spend five hours in the sun on a fucking rock. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, yeah. To be on the comfortable sand on your towel. Whatever. Sassuolo lined up in a 4-3-3 formation with conciliating goal, a back line of Zortea, Ehrlich, Ruan, and Markitza, midfield three of Fratesi, Obiang and Henrique, and a front three of Berardi, Defrel and Lauriente. In the first Minute. So firstly, all the action took place in the first half And the first goal came after just 25 seconds by Odoji As he cut inside from the left flank And unleashed a clean strike into the bottom corner from outside the area After just 25 seconds of play The soon-to-be Tottenham man coming in clutch there for Udinese Moments later, Samarzic almost scored an own goal After Silvestri's save bounced off the German and was heading in But Samarzic managed to clear it off the line to save himself the embarrassment You will see That is defending And almost scoring on goals Will be a bit of a theme yeah. In this match In the 6th minute Henrique scored for Sassuolo Making it 1-1 Udinese were unable to keep the lead As Jaka Bijol deflected Matheus Henrique's strike um, Inside the net Only 6 minutes later In my opinion This was a Bijol long goal bro Yeah it looked like one eh? This was Definitely a Bijol long goal The player shot um, it was Henrique that shot It deflected off Bijol Went the other way And Silvestri couldn't do anything yeah. Because the ball completely changed direction The commentator kept screaming That it was Silvestri's mistake How yeah, yeah, yeah. is that Silvestri's mistake? I, I doubt he could see the ball And by the time he saw it It had deflected So
1: like you know There's nothing much to do In those situations This was one of those 12-30 games man It was
0: one of those 12-30 games It was games. one of those
1: games Where like all the confusion and all the mistakes came in the first half when everyone <laughs> seemed to still be asleep. Exactly. And then in the second half, after getting a scolding from their manager, no goals, nothing. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly,
0: exactly. And this was six minutes in and already yeah. one goal for Odinarese, an own goal and almost an own goal by Samarzic as well. And then the 12th minute, Berardi was forced off the field due to a muscular problem in his thigh, which is still being assessed. He could potentially be back for this weekend's fixture, um, but it's still, they they probably won't play him just just to make sure that he's okay. Um, He was replaced by a new signing by Rami playing out on the right in this match. In the 25th minute, Fratezi hit the post after connecting with Amar Kitsap cross on the half-volley. In the 28th minute, Bijol scored after scoring what was, in my opinion, an own goal. The Udinese defender made up for his previous error after Lazar Samaric's long-range free kick found the 24-year-old who stretched his leg out in the middle of the box and sent the ball past Andrea Consigli, making it 2-1 to Udinese. In the 46th minute, still in the first half, New Imperes put the ball into his own net for Odinese. <clears throat> Bayramis Cross was knocked into the back of the net by the arm of New Imperes whilst he was tracking back another stroke of luck for Sassuolo. Again, the commentator was like, I think Defrel got the final touch to this. <laughs> Nowhere near the ball, Defrel. Nowhere near the ball. Another clear on goal. This time it was New Imperes. Thankfully, he was on my bench in Fanta Culture. But 46% ball possession for Udinese to Lazio's 54, 13 shots for Udinese to Sassuolo's 4, 8 on goal for Udinese and 1 for Sassuolo. I can't help but feel that Sassuolo were very lucky in this game, but also with their luck, Udinese were shambolic at the back, huh?
1: Yes, that they definitely were, but at the end of the day, Sassuolo scored two goals with one shot on target.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All
1: Ridiculous. game, you know. And you look at fucking Udinese, they peppered the goal. They had 17 shots in total to Sassuolo's yeah. six, you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, safe to say Udinese looked like they were the team that would take home three points here. Perhaps Sassuolo were a little bit lucky. Yeah. But yeah, it was one of those 12-30 games.
0: Obviously, Bijol was very involved here. He had a goal and assist and kind of an own goal himself over there the assist because I didn't mention was in the first goal that Odoji scored to be honest was a simple pass by him and Odoji did the rest but very very involved in this game Bijol. and to be honest although he had that moment he had a fantastic performance huh mm-hmm. a, a really really, really good. good player man yeah. a very good player. he defender. is 24 years old Slovenian national mm. player very good yeah Udinese have only gathered 6 points in 2023 out of a possible 21 brother Oh, Six points out of a possible the, 21
1: okay. How the hell do you explain the start they had man Everything was sticking right No pressure All their top players were there But nice to see Pereira
0: back It is good to see Pereira back But, but on to your, your mm. point again Like how is that possible How is it possible to have that start And then continuing the season in this manner Like They're in the position they are because of the opening 10 games Mm -hmm. that they had. And you have to look over at Andreas Otel and think, what the hell is he doing wrong now? Because he did so much right. What's going wrong now? What do you think it is?
1: So I think it's the fact that they have been on quite a negative spell of results for a while. Of course, it's the mental aspect of it. I, I, I highly doubt that that helps. And lo- their last five games, they have one victory, for example. Mm. Slowly, slowly, their goal difference is going lower and lower and lower and lower. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just that, you know, top players had a little bit of an attitude problem, yeah. uh, as we discussed. No, mm-hmm. They lost a leader in the back in Bram Nuitink. Who yes. Do not underestimate how good he is and what a vocal leader he is. He, he improved Sampdoria greatly with his presence at the back. They sold their best player. He's still playing there with Udinese, but he's, mm-hmm. he's gone. Like he's, he's off yeah. the spurs. They tried to offload Deleuzeu, but an mm-hmm. injury stopped him from leaving. Um, Beto is streaky. Beto streaky. Pereira was kind of in and out. Some arts are which is still growing, you know. Uh, it's it's that's it. That's it. Like what what kind of what 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 remains in you? What what kind of belief? What mm-hmm. remains in you is a direct multi translation, ship afik. Ship afik? Uh, ship afik, man. That's left <laughs> <with you. laughs> Um it's like like um how do you tolerate as a football player? Or how do you how are you expected to give your best when the club is working against you, trying yeah. to sell the key pieces, you know what yeah. I mean? Like at the at the beginning of the season, they believed, you know, they believed maybe mm. we can make Europe, you know. We have all these guys who are performing well. Suddenly they start getting frustrated with the guys who aren't as good and and all of a sudden everyone's for sale. Boom. Hey, exactly. Give us enough money, we'll sell you. Exactly. You know, we kinda maybe we'll take a bit off of Woodinese and improve what a bit, you know? Exactly. The, the and pots that's, pots of
0: family. What exactly, they? the pots of family. And that, that that's the point I was gonna make. That Udinese are not a club set up for victory Much like Sassuolo mm, business. Are, These are two Very very Good and effective Groups of losers <laughs> Because the Not the players I'm not talking about the players I'm talking about the clubs Their businesses And that is all there is to it Udinese and Sassuolo are not set up to win titles They are set up to make money For their owners yes, It's and- as simple as that and it's it's sad because you see
1: Udineza, they're one of the only teams in Italy who actually own their stadium. There's mm. there's the foundation there to build something good, you know. Yeah, uh, it's just, it's a shame that.
0: Well, we'll see. We'll see what they do with the they money can they still, brought they in. They could still they, yeah. make Europe as well. Udinese. They're still fine.
1: They're still fine. I mean, if you had to tell me, what six points in
0: ridiculous, man
1: yes it's true but thankfully they had that start to balance it out now we'll see where they go from here if you had to tell me at the beginning of the season that Udinese would be in this position I'd be like ah good season fair enough so yeah I guess maybe we are being a little bit melodramatic
0: yeah would Sassuolo regret letting go of Hamatra or now that Berardi is injured once again I mean he should be back soon but at the end of the day Berardi um, he has 5 goals and 3 assists in 15 appearances which is great Um, But he's been struggling with injuries He's already missed 12 games for the Nero Verde this season He suffered a bicep femoris muscle injury at the beginning of the season Where he remained out of action for 7 matches He then had a thigh problem that kept him out for another 5 matches And now he's injured again Thankfully for them they signed by Rami He can either play as a number 10 or he can play out on the right. And I'm mm. guessing now they're going to need to utilize him yeah. out on the right. But you know, when you look at the successful
1: Sasuolo side of, um, what was his name again? Fucking. Deserbi. Deserbi, yes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I love you, Deserbi. Um, <laughs> they played, one of the most dangerous things about that team was the Chequartista. Mm hmm. Was it the Zerbi's and De Francescos as well? He had Juricic. Yes, exactly. De Zerbi, and that was a pivotal, pivotal player for his 100%. system. Hundred percent. So you know, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Sassuolo try something out where you play a four-three-one-two formation for four, one formation with La Oriente and um behind uh-huh. behind the striker, Pinamonte you know, or Alvarez. Exactly. So yeah, um, interesting stuff over here. Um, to your point, by the way, before of Sassuolo and Udinese being run like businesses. Uh huh. Yeah, you you look at the the difference between Sassuolo and Napoli. It's Simply, an an infrastructural approach that changes the whole philosophy, the whole culture of the club. Right. Mm. The Napoli stadium. I love this fact. Was built. In a rundown part of Naples, working class people around, bang in the middle. You have peaks, you have points of houses that actually have a view of the stadium. Uh-huh. When they play the Champions League, Napoli in there, the whole city screams the champions. The whole city, this is the people in the stadium watching, the whole city is behind them and they're watching. Then you look at fucking Sasuolo, who are a 30 minute, 40 minute drive Outside the city, you no, know? oh, was it one hour drive or was it something? Bro, we there? caught a train, yeah, it's it's too far away from the city. Plus, the fact that Sassuolo were a minnow side, of course, coming up from the depths of Serie A. So, the people of the city already had someone else to support. They're all Milanisti, exactly. Interisti, Juventini you know. So, it's, it's just sad to see that they're not even exposed to their own stadium, you know, they have to fucking go out of their way to go to the stadium.
0: Like, like I don't know, man. To me, football is... When I say a team sport, I'm not only talking about the 11 men. I'm talking about the entire cities that are behind their teams. And the management. And, and the managers And the directors.
1: It's a whole... And everything
0: how, ticks. Like even the, the beauty of the Napoli Stadium is that it's built at a very low... At a low... Um, uh, point. At a low point in Naples. And then all the buildings around it is at a higher point, at a higher point, yeah, at yeah, a yeah. higher point. And people can look at the stadium. Everywhere you are around the stadium, you could see the stadium from your balcony. Now, it's just a beautiful... Obviously, if you're on the top floor, it's just a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful way to set things up. And that is the difference between the Napolitan football culture that it's it's what they live, it's what they breathe, it's pizza and football over there. Mm. And then on the other hand, you have Sassuolo, who are a team based in Bologna with their pitch in Modena or whatever Emilia, fucking Emilia, Emilia Romagna, Romagna whatever. Yeah. But Sassuolo are Picking things up again, they're in 15th place now, you know, a couple of weeks ago they were in 17th. They're now in 15th on 24 points, level on points with Fiorentina and Lecce. On the other hand, Udinese are in eighth on 30 points, level on points with Torino and just 9 away from uh, Europa League spot, to be fair. And it's either them, Torino, Juve, Monza or Bologna or Empoli that are (laughs) going to get the Conference League spot.
1: Tight, tight, tight at least there is some competition left in the league
0: right yes yeah, yeah
1: Bologna nil Monza won excuse me the <laughs> previous encounter was a 2-1 victory for Bologna which saw Orsolini net the winner um, Monza have only beaten Bologna once in nine matches this one time came in 1983 Whoa. on the 23rd of January and it was in Serie A of course okay Um, Since Thiago Motta's first league win as manager As Bologna manager Bologna have won 7 of their 11 games in Serie A They've drawn 1 and lost 3 They've collected 22 points Only fewer than Napoli, Inter and Juventus in this period Um, So Thiago Motta has won an average of 1.53 points per match since he joined Bologna. And this is the best ratio amongst coaches with two plus games for Bologna in the okay. three points era. Wow. So Bologna have really picked a, a good guy over here. 100%. 100%. Yes. This game, Bologna-Monza, w- was the game between two of the three youngest coaches in Serie A. Wow. Okay, so it's Paladino and Thiago Motta. Um, guess who is between them in age? Vincenzo Italiano. No, good guess, but no. There's a younger guy. Um, ratatatata. Sure. Eh, Zanetti. Yes, brilliant. Nice. Very good, very good. So, yes, um, Bologna lined up with a 4-2-3-1 formation with Skorupski in goal, Liko Giannis at left back with Cambiazo at right back, Sosa and Posh were the centre-backs. The double pivot was Shouten and Abyshire with Kiriakopoulos out on the left and Orsolini on the right, Dominguez playing behind Ferguson. For Monza it was a 3-4-2-1 formation with Di Gregorio in goal, Itso, Mari and Um, Marlon at the back with Donati out on the right Churia on the left Sensi and Rovella in the middle Donati this was his first game um, definitely this season Mm -hmm. Um, he's a veteran player Pessina Caprari played behind Petania Um, if you look at this team bro it it is kind of the whole Berlusconi philosophy there are nine Italians here oh that's true that's true and and what a team it is man you look at Mm -hmm. the individuals wow Really good team. I love this Monza side and I think people are really falling for them as well. Yeah. Look at their YouTube views, for example. They're really increasing. Mm. People are actually watching. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal came in the 25th minute for Monza when Petania went berserk. He went on a crazy <laughs> rampage driving towards Skorupski, shaking off defenders. He just kept going, this guy. And I feel like he picked up so much momentum along the way that he was unstoppable. Yeah. Just like a...
0: Like a, um, a prime Duvan Zapata.
1: Yeah, like a like a... Boulder, just rolling down a hill. You know? Exactly. Like, like you can't do it. You have to get out of the way or get fucked. Sounds so unflattering for him. It, that's it. Dude. Get out of Petania's way or you're going to get fucked. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> so Skorupski, on the other hand, you have to be meant to jumped into Petania's feet, like like jumped mm-hmm. at his legs, like to try to stop him. The ball came off fucking, I don't even know, like Skorupski's knee into mm-hmm. Petania's fucking, no, off Skorupski's face into Petania's knee and into the path of Giulio Donati, who finished on his first start this season um, into an empty net. And that goal was enough, thanks to a few Di Gregorio heroics over there. Classic Di Gregorio. Classic classic Di Gregorio. And Monza managed to win with 37% ball possession. Bologna did have 63% ball possession, but despite that, Monza shot up, shot quite, shot up, shot quite well. (laughs) And um, only had, in fact, Bologna only had three shots on target.
0: Yeah, it it, it was surprising to me, the the final scoreline. Monza getting the better of Bologna away from home, especially with the form Bologna have been on. They look so, so, so good. But Monza have really turned into just a proper, like they could be a top 10 team, you know what I mean? You look at their individuals, you look at the way they play, there's no reason they can't be there. They are definitely the most impressive newly promoted side. Obviously, there was um, an, an injection of cash. That went yeah. in there But also very smart signings Yes League Wh- proven Exactly When you see them When you see the signings For example Premier League clubs Like Nottingham Forest make They made fucking what 15 signings And only one played In the Premier League before Yeah The complete opposite of that They made 6-7 signings All proven Petagna Pessina Caprari Rovella Sensi it's so... These are fantastic, fantastic signings, and man. And even they,
1: the fact that they managed to get their fucking hands on Cranio. Yeah. Their, mid, their, their goalkeeping duo is Cranio and Di Gregorio. Two yeah. top Italian goalkeepers over
0: there. I am petrified because Milan play Monza now. And I really think Monza can get something out of that game, man. Probably. They're a very dangerous team. There are a few...
1: Rewards, no, they do.
0: Ah, Yes, yes, because it's Milan. Mm. Milan are one of the two teams they get yes. rewarded for, for playing against. What what was it again,
1: man? What, I can't what remember it? what Berlusconi promised. Something in great volume, though. Yeah, great volume, a good amount.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it was like a vice of some yeah, sort. Something.
1: So, oh, was it drinking? Was no. It, uh, smoking?
0: No, it, was, no it, wasn't cigars. it wasn't cigars. Ah! It was a bus full of whores.
1: <laughs> That's what it is A bus full of hoos I always wonder At this point Would the listener be laughing Or rolling his eyes <laughs> Probably a bit of both It's no. like a chuckle <laughs> These guys These guys I love these guys <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I love uh, Recently A great listener of ours Someone that we Truly appreciate. Lewis sent us uh, a joke on Twitter, yeah. I, I believe it was, and after that we posted on our stories. In fact, just so motivation for you guys to send us stuff as well. Yeah. And, and he signed it off by big hug to J and M, and I found it so sweet, man. And uh, shout out to you, Lewis, man. You're yeah. you're you're the man. The
1: joke for those curious um, was that he saw someone basically call Han Danovich Stan Danovich <laughs> because he never dives. <laughs> That's
0: hilarious. It's Samir really. Standanovic. It. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. But Monza as well, on on this point, as a city, just so you know, as a, as a fun fact, they have one of the most famous circuits in F1 history. Really? Yeah, ah, yeah yes, yeah. of course. He the Monza, Monza circuit. As I, yeah. He wins in Spa. He yeah, wins in Monza. It's one of the... I, I believe it is the most fast-paced track. Um, in F1 alongside Silverstone I think um, but yeah that, that goes to show this is a city that is made for f- success within sporting mm. and I don't think Berlusconi would have just chosen some fucking team from Serie a, but he chose yeah. a team with culture and no wonder the Monza fans are getting into it no wonder Monza are getting more viewers because they are a very well-oiled machine and I know they have some low knees in with them Ravella being one of them Sensi being another I really hope that they manage to redeem a lot of that. They've man. got
1: El Condor, bro. Gagliani, dude, is yeah. the fucking sporting director. Yeah. Let's see if he's still got it on that mo- motorbike, on that bicycle. <laughs> um, Thiago Mata, of course, still doing great things with Bologna. This was merely a slip-up. We'll see if they can recover from this. Monza are in 10th with 29 points, while Bologna are 11th with 29 points as well a massive fixture this one was um monza actually jumping bologna
0: yeah yeah big stuff for monza very big stuff for monza the next game we're going to be covering is empoli 2 spezia 2 this was by far my favorite match um this weekend the previous encounter was a victory for spezia surprisingly it was a one 0 victory at home for them um Tonelli, Destro and Grassi were still injured for Empoli, whilst Ethan Padu and Mattia Caldara sat out bans, with Bastoni, Kovalenko and Zurkovski and Sala and Zoet and Mutinio out of action, but Jasi returned from his ban and Mbala was back too, but only fit for the bench. Empoli set up in a 4-3-1-2 formation with Vicario in goal, a backline of Parisi, Luperto, Smiley and Ebwehi, a midfield three of Bandinelli, Marin and Akpa Akpro, with Baldanzi just behind Kambiagi and Ciccio Caputo. For Spezia, it was a 3-5-2 formation with Drangovski in goal and a backline of Nikolaou, Amjan and Wisniewski. It was Giassi out on the right, Rek out on the left with Agudelo, Esposito and Burabia in the midfield, with new signings Shumorodov, and Verde up front. So in the 20th minute, um, Verde netted a penalty. It was a spezia corner swung in from Daniela Verde that took a deflection off the head of Wisniewski and it was cleared off the line by Fabiano Parisi's hand. VAR intervened, and the referee assigned both a penalty to Spezia and a red card to Parisi. So early on, Verda's penalty was brilliantly saved by Vicario, and so was his rebound before Luperto managed to clear the ball out. However... The referee awarded a free uh, a retake as Luperto had entered the box before Verdes struck the penalty. Vicario guessed right but couldn't keep out Verde's second penalty, making it 1-0 to Spezia with Empoli down to 10 men. Vicario... I'm fed up of saying You're fed all up of it bro
1: Let's do Kisses for Vicario Kisses Just kisses Kisses, 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 so kisses good, for bro. Vicario kisses We were posting so good.
0: We were posting on our stories Just freaking out We are watching it live yeah. um, Obviously we had on the TV bet. We had a bet on as well We are all freaking out Over his save But then Luperto just Entered the box a bit too early And then to make matters worse He cleared the ball away yeah. So obviously it did have to be a And retake. that's
1: the only reason I think Yep I think that's the only reason, because typically an eye is closed for players entering the box early, unless they actually do something defensively.
0: Mm -hmm. Once the keeper saves it, and it's a different question, because you bombard the box, whether you're putting pressure on a striker, you're You're interfering with play. So that's what Luperto did, and that's why it was retaken.
1: Also, bro, I understand that your reflex at the time would be to do exactly that, but Parisi's fucking handball, what is... He's thinking. I I get it. It was probably reflexes. Sure. Instinctive. But, you know, nowadays there's VAR, there, there, the cameras are all over yeah. you,
0: everyone's fucking... It's funny because barely anyone fucking realised on the pitch yeah, and but... neither did we. And then VR were like, oh my yeah, God, exactly. that is the most blatant penalty I've ever seen And red instantly. Like, exactly, cleared so, it off the line with his fucking hand, man, with his hands. So yeah,
1: he fucking threw the game for them over there. But of course, you know, it was probably the intentions were good for the team, you know, a little bit silly perhaps. But yeah, yeah. cost them a lot.
0: And in fact, Spezia, 11 men against Empoli's 10 men. Verde had just scored and he was—he had supreme confidence. And then just 11 minutes later, Verde scored an absolute screamer into the far top corner from distance that dipped viciously at the last moment. Absolutely nothing Vicario could do here. Verde had not scored since May 2022 and gladly took the yellow card for over-celebrating yeah. over there. Um, brilliant stuff. That was our goal of the week. So they entered the dressing rooms at halftime. Probably Gotti was like, oh my God, we're 11 men against 10. Maybe I get to keep my job. Guys, just don't do anything stupid. Hang on. Defend. We can get a victory over here. Oh, my God, this is going to be so good. We won't get relegated. Jesus, yes, I get to keep my job. In the 49th minute, it became 10 versus 10 as Esposito received his second yellow card. He was really unlucky, to be fair. He was swinging to clear the ball and he made contact with Jassy, who had just nicked the ball off him. He was in, They were both in sheer pain because of the contact, but obviously it was a foul and Esposito was sent off so it was then 10 v 10 and Gotti started worrying at that point. <laughs> In the 71st minute, Cambiaghi pulled one back for Empoli. The Italians smashed the ball into the roof of the net after Caputo pulled the ball back from the byline, making it 2-1. And then in the 93rd, absolute scenes, as whilst Empoli were piling men forward and getting men into the box, the ball fell kindly to Vignato on his debut, who curled the ball into the bottom corner on the volley with his outstep. He is on loan from Bologna, and, and what an impact to make. As a result of this, Gotti was sacked. Do you yes. think that is the right decision?
1: Things were going well for Gotti at the start of the season, but it seems he has plateaued since um, perhaps as the relegation zone is looming, um, this might be exactly what they needed. They have brought on the relegation expert, Leonardo Semplici. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, they haven't brought him on yet, but he's heavily rumoured to, to be joining. Yeah, um, He has previously coached Cagliari, Spal, Pisa.
0: Yeah, relegation exactly. teams. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> His senior career was nothing to write home about. He had he used to play for Sorso so, San Gimignano.
0: Oh, I went to SF. San Gimignano. It's a very cute little fortified city. Yeah, beautiful. Cool, cool. In I Florence. I've never
1: been. Ah, in Florence. No, uh-huh. I visited Florence. I don't think I went to San
0: Gimignano. It's beautiful, okay. man. Beautiful. I love San Gimignano. I didn't know they had a football team, man. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> He didn't play a single game for them, by the way. (laughs) Okay. No appearances. He was just manning the only entrance into the city, I think, at that point. Empoli had 64% ball possession to Spezia's 36. Empoli had 22 shots and 11 on target. What a performance it was by Drangovsky. Spezia, on the other hand, 36% ball possession. They had 10 shots, five of which were on target. I mean... I would ask you, do you think that it was fair, a fair mm. result it being a draw, but with two red cards coming so early on, I think it was so unpredictable that any outcome yeah, yeah. would have been predictable, so to say. I think
1: Spezia um, were naive to let this one go. Mm. Very naive, and that's probably what made them consider Like, if we can't maintain a 2-0 lead against Stamppoli with a man up, yeah. you know, how, how, how are we meant to put our faith in this guy to keep us up. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and it was a hard fought 2 2 and Empoli will be the one smiling here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, as well, Sousa that was linked to be joining Spezia. Yes, um, but he's been hired. But now he's been hired. By Salernitana. By Salernitana, yes. obviously, who, who just sacked Davide Nicola. We'll, we'll get into that very soon. The former Fiorentina manager. Yeah, yeah. But this was a proper, proper dog fight between a team that is... Maybe becoming a Serie A team Against a team that just got promoted To Serie A A true dogfight that is exactly What I expected to see Did I think that Had it been 11 against 11 Do I think that Empoli would have ran away with it Potentially but I think There is a debate to be had About the approach both teams would have had Coming into this game and this was what we were Discussing before the game even took Place Mm we are saying Do are both teams just going to settle for a single point because Spezia need points desperately and Empoli are in a good position, so they'll settle for a point? Or are Spezia just going to go out and go fucking solely for a victory and a victory is the only thing on their mind and Empoli to have the same reaction because Europe is a possibility?
1: Yeah, um, I think the main the main objective is don't lose mm. for Spezia, um, always at this yeah. point. Um, However, this was winnable Mm -hmm. Um, Spezia have lost Three games in a row Mm. Um, But, you know They're definitely going to be disappointed Not to get the most out of this one
0: Yeah, very disappointing for Spezia At least they have a new manager with them They have Verde back on form now Empoli are in 12th place On 27 points While Spezia are in 17th On 19 points the next game we're going to be covering is Verona 1, Salernitana
1: nil. Now Hellas and Salernitana have met three times in Serie A with Salernitana winning twice and there was also one draw. Um, each of these games has seen three or more goals scored so this was the first low scoring affair between these two sides. Um, Hellas Verona lined up with a 3-4-2-1 formation with Montepo and goal. Coppola, Hien and Magnani at the back with Doig out on the left, Paoli out on the right. New man Duda in midfield alongside Tamese. Lazovic and Ingonj played behind Alf... What's his name again? Alf, um, um, yeah. One second, I've got this. Adolfo, 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 Adolfo. Gaich. Yes, Adolfo Gaich. Adolfo Gaich, you might recognize him from his Benevento days. Yes. He was on loan from Bayern, Munich. Now for Salernitana, it was a 3-4-1-2 formation with Seppe in goal. Pirola, Trustekong, and Braun were at the back with Candreva out on the right, Brother on the left, Caviglia and Chernigoy were in the middle. Chernigoy has just arrived from Venezia. Vilhena was in the trequartista position with Dia and Bonazzoli playing up front. Now in the 29th minute, ingonj scored, but the goal was disallowed due to him being in an offside position. Two minutes later, Ngonj scored again after Lazovic put him on a plate you know he literally set him up so beautifully that after the game and Gonj literally said I love Lazovic more than my wife he's constantly assisting it
0: no he said, he said I love him like my wife I love him more than myself <laughs> yeah. cause uh, a divorce over here yeah. from this quote. <laughs> this is what he said not like. myself, uh, so yeah. me <laughs> I love him like he's my wife you know <laughs> uh, Every week he's giving me the assist today again. The ball was perfect for me. I just had to tap in, you know. So, uh, Lazovic, I love him more th- than myself. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy, dude! What an addition he's been. Huh, he's for been Verano. so
1: good, bro. He's fucking, he's perfect to finish off these chances. Huh? Mm. He really knows how to put himself in these positions. A very smart player.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's very dangerous out there on the right hand side as well. It was, it was I, I, was a little bit worried that they're gonna need to play either Lasagna or Verdi out yeah. on the right, but having someone like Ingonj. Who came out of nowhere, to be honest, yeah. but 22 years old. Um, uh, he's Belgian, and he was previously playing in the in the Dutch league with Groningen. Yeah, great. so a nice little coup there for, for Verona.
1: Yeah, um, De Pauli had a good chance shortly after, but he skied it. Dia got the closest for Salernitana in the first half. He shot the ball, and it just went wide. Um, in the second half, Pirola had an amazing slide tackle on Doig in the mm-hmm. box. Um, the referee initially thought it was a foul and um, he gave the penalty. He had to go to the VAR monitor only to realize that Pirola had timed his tackle to perfection. Yep. Um, he canceled the penalty, but then a few minutes later, he gave Pirola a yellow card because I think he was so gassed that he was coming a the foul immediately after. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Sambia apparently is a free-kick specialist He can hit them very well And um, towards the end of the game Salernitano were just having it from everywhere
0: okay. um,
1: He had a free-kick just over the, the halfway line And he shot Wow uh, <laughs> Montepo saved Verona um, By beating Piontek in a 1v1 at the end of the game After Vilhena unleashed him in a one-on-one situation. Salernitana dominated the possession with 63%, but they only managed to get two shots on target, while Verona, with a measly 37%, managed to get three shots on target. Um, This is the game that saw um, David and Nicola get the sack, and Mm -hmm. in his stead, ex-Fiorentina manager Sousa will be coming in
0: to take the helm. Yes. Now, this time, I'm not surprised that, that he got the sack because it's clearly his, his second chance and when you lose against a team now albeit Verona are on great form but when you mm-hmm. lose to a team in the bottom three that's when shit starts to get concerning and not only do you lose against a side that's in the bottom three but the fact that you barely put up a fight mm-hmm. against that team the fact that you had one clear cut chance through Piontek and yeah, otherwise it was Sambia game. shooting from half pitch like then it, it's not too hopeful and it almost now does seem like David and Nicola's spice mm-hmm. and that unity that the Salernitana team had is slowly diminishing. So now is the time to get in some fresh yeah. blood, Devon boarded Sousa, and hopefully for them they can maintain staying out of the relegation zone after that.
1: Yes, bro, I, I totally agree. At this point, Kondreva looks tired. Um, Dia looks like he's the only one who can score. Bonazzoli mm-hmm. and Piontek need to get some goals for confidence. The system is okay. You know, it was a bit rigid this game. Verona did very well to uh, yes. to defend and to close things out. And they could have easily won this two goals to nil. Uh, there was a point when Duda yeah. was literally a small penis. You know? like he, like he, he was
0: that like... A little dick a, a, a little dick But like shriveled Yeah he had, You know what he I mean He had Lazovic
1: Wide open All he had to do Was square to him And he had an open goal Instead the guy Tried to shoot He he fumbled it You know the He tried again later on He had the opportunity he To
0: leave it for Lazovic The keeper saved it It yeah. was falling to Lazovich, But he sprinted in again And he tried to shoot <laughs> it again So yeah. twice he denied Lazovic A clear cut goal scoring opportunity Over there It looked Comical. It looked yeah. like you were you or myself. Like
1: he's definitely going to get a scolding for that. He definitely got a scolding for that. Yeah. And I highly doubt we'll see that again. Selfishness when you're playing, trying to fight your way out of relegation, is um, <laughs> exactly. This is not tolerated. No. And um, Salernitana have another two goalkeeper. They have one of the hipster. Goalkeeping duos, no? We mentioned uh, Monza's goalkeeping duo with Di Gregorio and um, Cranio. Mm -hmm. Salernitana have Sepe and Ochoa. That's a fantastic goalkeeping duo. And in fact, Sepe did start this game. Yeah, Uh, A great goalkeeper.
0: Yeah, we we will, I think, see them being rotated a little bit more. Obviously, Ochoa and Sepe's age are two very different things. Uh, One of them is 31 years old and the other one is 37 years old. 31 for a goalkeeper is... You know it's not young, yeah. but it's it's somewhere close to his prime. And to be fair, Sepe had great performances before Ochoa came in, so it would be unfair to just make him a second choice based off of some performances they saw in the World Cup.
1: Definitely agreed, bro. Um, you have to keep everyone happy, right? You have exactly. To balance those hours. Um, Verona have closed the gap; huh? they are four points behind Salernitana. You know, there are two points behind Spit, yeah. It's it's crazy how they're catapulting themselves out of the relegation pool. But to be fair, we did see this coming, didn't we?
0: We did, we did, and, and it was shocking to see them sat in dead last over the first ten games. Um, very, very surprising. Now they still have some serious improvements to make. Um oh, I, think... I can explain. What the hell
1: just happened? <laughs> No, I opened my phone I was on TikTok To, to play the Ingonge interview um, Matthias basically Dropped us a few A few thoughts On Hellas Verona And I wanted to read them Out on the pod okay. I just realised I never got back to him Which
0: is horrible Terrible Terrible behaviour From your yeah. end It wasn't me Matthias It was Jake mm-hmm. Let me just finish Making this Please, point Please of course Yes um, I, I was gonna let you After my phone <laughs> I was gonna say They still have Serious improvements to make Obviously they've had Great performances Now Um I still think that, for example, the striking and defensive department are two departments that need to seriously be addressed. Now, their midfield has looked tight, um, their creative players have looked creative, Montepo has looked good. However, like, Henry hasn't really been at the races, he has yeah. been out of the side for a long time, Juric... Is he the man that they want up front? Do they want to play in Gonja up front? I think that is something that they need to get sorted out. Or gauge, bro. Or he's gauge. also looking a little bit selfish. But sometimes in a striker, you need that and huh, a striker. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Someone. I hungry, mean, we saw someone...
1: fucking Lautaro not pass to exactly. know. Exactly. And then the striker, in
0: the it? defensive region, they tend to shake things up quite a bit. They have a few to choose from, but none of high quality. Essentially, so you look at the backline that they fielded in this match, for example, and it was Coppola, Hien, and Maniani. We've seen Davidovic there before, for example, and we've also seen Gunter over there. Now, whilst it's great to have options, it's also good to have some quality and to have some stability. And I think their recruitment, even though they've offloaded a bunch of players, hasn't gone in the right areas. And hopefully, they will invest a bit more in the defence. And just come up with the striker that they want to identify with and which striker is going to give them the, the best outcome.
1: Yeah, at least they have a, a few options. Yeah. So let's move on to Matthias's comments, our very loyal listener, Matthias Krussel on Instagram. He told us my thoughts on Verona post Illich. Now, of course, Matthias was the guy who announced Illich watch, and then, of course, he, he fucked off to Torino. <laughs> <laughs> Unlucky. Um, they did a fine job tactically. Okay, let's try that again. They did a fine job tactically to expose Salernitana by keeping a high tempo and winning duels in the midfield. There was little controlled possession from either side, but this hurt Salernitana more since their regista, Nicolusi, who looks talented but lacks serious experience and physicality. Fair point. Tamese, rather than Duda, has replaced Illich by playing in a deeper role. He is covering the back three, but also setting up quick and direct plays to avoid the team getting stuck and overpowered in the midfield. Verona barely made any attempts to keep the ball on the ground in midfield. Salernitana couldn't cover for this. And there were reoccurring situations where Verona's front four could attack a Salernitana back three, mm-hmm. plus Nicolusi, of course. Salernitana coped better when more players dropped down in the second half to give Nicolucci more passing alternatives. I think Nicola should have used Villena as a second-holding midfielder rather than as an, ta- an attacking one. That's an interesting point. They did need numbers back there because Hellas Verona were overwhelming them
0: on the break. For those of you that didn't hear, Nicolucci being named in the starting 11 11- of Salernetana when Jake was reading it out. This is Nicolusi caviglia He's a 22-year-old that is unknown from Juventus at the moment. Yeah.
1: First name Hans, Hans Nicolusi Caviglia. <laughs> Duda almost plays like a number 10 or second striker with Lazovic out on the left and Ngonj often slightly above him. Tameza and Duda are very rarely collaborating. Instead, it's four in the front and four at the back and then Doeg and De Pauli covering the wings and trying to win headers in the midfield. Yes, with- I... Uh, th- th-
0: Duda, if he brings one thing, is he brings very good balance to the team and he has very good energy about him as well. You often see him, like Matthias correctly said, linking up with those front four. Now, obviously he had that moment, but that moment is a moment that footballers have sometimes, but that's not to take away what he's bringing to the team. That balance was very well needed for Verona.
1: With Illich, they had someone who was the glue in midfield, but now they are rather trying to use the disjointment of their central midfield as a weapon. Very interesting. Yes, yes. I think they will be good as long as they are winning, but they could be exposed by teams who can play out of their pressure, even if Lazio struggled a bit with this. The upcoming games against Roma, Fiorentina and Spezia will be of importance. I feel that both Roma and Fiorentina's midfield should be able to slow down and ground Hellas. And with two losses there, the game against Spezia could be a tricky one. Fouls could, of course, be a factor since they are dependent on their aggressive identity. Suspensions and unfortunate red cards could be a factor. But the longer the match goes, the more bookings goes to the opponents since they often succumb to Verona's game plan and start tackling back in a reckless way. Mm -hmm. Tameze is very important as a leader and a surprising possible captain for this team. Um, he also highlighted the rumours that Southampton are looking to hire Juric as their new coach. No, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it would be a shame to, to watch him leave the league. Yeah. Thank you, Matthias. Spot on as always. Honestly, I have nothing to add to your to your points. Um, I love the way you watch football.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he, he watches it the way it should be watched. Yes, yes. And, and not many
1: people. And not many people watch these games
0: like that, you know. No, these hipster fixtures, especially like Verona, Salernitana is one that would typically go under the radar. Um, but but have someone like Matthias, who is a hipster when yeah. it comes to Serie A, <laughs> it's much appreciated that that these are the kind of listeners that we that we attract. A point to be made about their upcoming fixtures against Roma. And uh, Fiorentina. So I don't think Verona could get much done. Against a team like Roma. So in the midfield department. Even though Roma have the static Matic and Cristante. I think the way they run the midfield as a team. And not just with those two in the double pivot. And the amount of pressure they put on the midfield. I think that can cause Verona to collapse. I think they will be outnumbered. And just from the dead ball situations that Roma excel in, and the shaky back line that Verona have, I think Roma is the perfect team to expose this Verona side. On the other hand, I do see them being able to come away with a point against Fiorentina, for example, mm. because Fiorentina play a more, they have a more relaxed approach to their games. They're not very high pressure and they're more, they try to maintain possession and play the ball around and I think that is where Verona could utilize their high pressure now obviously we can see and they're air prone at the back you
1: know you press Dodo and you press uh, Milenkovic you might force them into a mistake
0: exactly and Lazovic will find himself in space yeah. and Gons will find himself in space and that's where they can attack really now Verona will probably adapt to roma's game whilst fiorentina will probably adapt to verona's game Mm -hmm. so it won't on paper simply be a roma victory or a draw against fiorentina but definitely going to be an interesting watch
1: definitely now give me a minute while i put my password into my new ipad there you go (laughs) thank you very much for the ipad bro
0: you're welcome you're welcome I didn't pay for it all myself, guys. It was a we pooled in and stuff.
1: Yeah, and it's perfect for the podcast. I've been using Keynote. You know, I'm not much of an Apple. Enthusiast myself, I much prefer my Android devices. But when it comes to tablets, you know, um, yeah. Apple do them very yeah. well. Yeah, I think um, so. And has to be said, I really enjoy prep- preparing for the
0: podcast of this thing.
1: You know, just swishing, swishing swish, 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 yeah. between tabs like you know yeah. my extended highlights on one. Mm. You know, I've got the notes on the other. It's great.
0: I was Apple for everything, so yeah, I second that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bleh! Bleh. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> So
1: Hellas Verona are currently in 18th with 17 points While Salernitana are in 16th with 21 points A relegation 6-pointer at its finest What a joy to watch this was
0: Yes sir, yes sir Let's have a look at the upcoming fixtures of next week And see what we should be keeping an eye out on Before sure, we conclude this, this episode So Syria our fixtures is what I'm googling I know you guys can't hear it, but my dog is snoring in my ear and Every it's time. pissing me off Ask so us much. to add
1: you to our close friends and you can see the dog. I posted a video of him today. So just DM us on on Instagram, ask us, add us to or add me to OnlyFans and we will add
0: you to our Instagram exactly. close friends. <laughs> exactly. Code words and code words only. So there's Sassuolo Napoli on Friday. Massive. That's a good game. Samp Bologna. That is potentially, Samp can potentially get a point over there. The Berlusconi Derby. The Berlusconi Derby, one's against Milan. Inter Udinese, Udinese had won the previous fixture. So uh, that's trash them. 3-1, Something I think it like was. That. Something like that. Atalanta, Lecce. Fiorentina, Empoli. That's very, very nice. Um, Salernitana, Lazio. Spezia, Juve. Roma, Verona. And Torino, Cremonese. Saponara scores against Tempoli. Sorry, I
1: the mic. Saponara scores against Tempoli. Saponara will score against Tempoli. Imagine that's our bet. That's Saponara to score against Tempoli. It's it's an X. He always does well against an X. He looks... On form at the moment, Saponara. Regardless of,
0: he's hot right now. Yeah,
1: he only came on for like twelve minutes or thirteen minutes against Juventus, but he Mm. was he was lively as well when he came on.
0: Especially, you look at players like Icoane that are underperforming at the moment, and you just right now the way to go for Fiorentina is Nico on the right, Saponara on the left. There's no other right answer over there. True, true. Massive games away. Atalanta Lecture will be an interesting one. That I
1: can't Very. wait to watch as well. Very and then Monday night mayhem with Torino Cremones. I have a five side so I can't watch that
0: one. All right. I'll be I'll be watching yeah. it in army probably. I'm nice. dog sitting all week from okay, Thursday nice. to what Thursday. dog is it? It's a Labrador oh. A very big Labrador That likes to lick a lot man I
1: Fucking hate when you ask someone What dog is it? And they say a Labrador it's like saying oh, What flavour is the ice cream Vanilla <laughs> She's, you know, a Labrador. No. She's
0: a very sweet dog But I need to walk her Three times a day Before mm-hmm. work After work And before bed I need to wipe her ass man if To wipe her ass, ass uh-huh. yeah. But To be honest It makes sense because it's if shitty gonna go ass on the sofa, sitting on your sofa uh, yeah. You know what I mean But I've never heard of such a thing man. Wiping a dog's ass Like I feel <laughs> Maybe like Maybe we just live like animals bro. I feel like a proper fucking piece of shit When I'm wiping the dog's ass Yeah Just imagine me Like, like lifting the tail up Like with a wet wipe in my hand Just wiping a Labrador's <laughs> ass But I could be just like Sitting back or well, whatever yeah. It's gonna be fun Three times moment. a day Th- Wiping a dog's three ass you times his
1: Dog shits three times a day
0: Yes man well, Yes It's two times more than me guys thank you so much for listening once again we've been jake and matt at seria spotlight don't forget to give us a rating wherever you're listening and message us on instagram twitter or tiktok if you want to you know send us a voice note you can feel free to do so um or send us anything you'd like and i promise we will get back to you so thank you for listening we'll see you all next week and we love you all we love you